this is not it will probably unfortunately get worse before they get better yeah whatever and staying with um our pledge to try to gain exposure for Maui and increasing the um, tourism in that area that has been um, destroyed by the fires, I wanted to go ahead and talk about a local small resort there in Maui, right next to the town of Lahaina, because most of Lahaina has been destroyed. But in uh, the neighboring regions of Lahaina, there is a small hotel. I'm sorry, a small hotel slash resort right by the beach. Um, that goes for about 230 bucks a night. Uh, I don't know if you know too much about Hawaii vacation rental prices, but it you know it averages anywhere between 500 to 700 dollars a night for just a decent one bedroom uh, by the beach. These guys are offering offering for 234 a night over in um, Maui. It's called the Kanapali. Maui at the El Dorado, the Canal Pali El Maui at El Dorado. It is K A A N A P A L I. That's how you spell it K A A N A P A L I Maui at the El Dorado. And let me see if they have a website here about. You can go to hawaiianvacationcondos.outrigger.com. And go ahead and um, reserve this one. This is going for like two thirty a night. It's really cheap for um, Hawaii. Uh, like I said, it's like five to seven hundred bucks a night for a hotel. Usually, if you want it right by the water, this is right by the water. It's going for two thirty a night. Um, so, if you are thinking about taking a vacation to Hawaii and to at least Maui to enhance their tourism because they're Unemployment is already starting to skyrocket as a chain reaction from these fires because all these people canceled because they thought all of Maui was on, uh, all of Hawaii was on fire. Um, definitely do so. And if you're thinking about taking a vacation and, you know, saying you're looking to splurge, think about going to Hawaii and checking out the uh, Kanapali Maui at the El Dorado for 234 a night. And their phone number, you can give them a call directly. Is 808-661-0021. And their address is 2661 uh, Kika Drive. That's K-E-E-K-A-A Drive in Lahaina, Hawaii, 96761. And you can go ahead and also check out their deals. They're going for on Agoda. Com. They're going for $212 a night. On Priceline, it's going for a little bit... Let's see, on Priceline, they're going for $234 a night. Um, on their official site, it's uh, $277. But with taxes and fees, it's like $538. But um, yeah, definitely give this smaller resort um, a look-see. Check out their prices, see if it fits in your budget. But we're just trying to help the people in Maui, so we wanted to feature, go ahead and feature a smaller resort um, in the beginning of our podcast. So I guess our this podcast is unofficially sponsored by the Kanapali Maui at the El Dorado. 
Hello and welcome to the debrief for the week of 9-11 to 9-15 in the year of our Lord, 2022. My name is Stephen Beckman. I am the chief executive nobody of the Mesh News Project. Mesh News Project is a zero profit, not a 5013C. We are a zero profit. We are a labor of love. No one that works with our organization makes one red cent off of you, off the things that we do, off of our views, etc. We are purely a labor of love. We think the only way really to make the news honest is to take the income incentive out of it. It keeps us from essentially looking at things that are clickbaity or things that push a narrative, or things that our advertisers do or do not want to us to say. And essentially, the news is church for the Mess News Project and its um, members. We're going to go right into the news here uh, for the past week. And we're going to start with the headlines that um, were underreported. This past week, which is what we like to specialize in. There's lots of news out there. There's lots of news that is tech news or crypto news or right wing news or left wing news. We like to specialize in news that will specifically help out humans and humanity. It'll report on things that will affect you, the working and middle class. Because if you can't use the information, what's the purpose of even engaging in it? Politics does not matter, only policy, which is why we have a uniparty in this United States. It is the same party. They keep the same policy, which is why one president will come in and another president will come in and the same drone bombing uh, program will still commence. Uh, Policy matters, not politics. Politics is World Wrestling Foundation. Uh, uh, It is WWE. It does not matter. It is a distraction to divide us and keep us from working together to vote the bastards out. So let's go ahead and go into the headlines this past week that was not reported as they should have been. Instead, what was filling the airways of mainstream news was bullshit. It was politics. It was same old, same old establishment narratives. So let's go ahead and dive right into it. So the G20 is now the G21. India announces the African Union's permanent membership into the G20, making a historic expansion. This is the G20's first expansion since its formation in 1999, equating the African Union status to the European Union. Africa's earlier representation was limited to South Africa. This move rectifies the the continent's underrepresentation. And there was no doubt that BRICS was a significant influence into the induction of the African Union in the G20. Now, if you have been keeping your ear to the ground and you're one of the people who've been awake to the bullshit... For some time, there was a movie made by Peter Joseph, who is a uh, independent film and documentary creator called Zeitgeist. He had a whole series. I don't know if he's still doing the series now, but Peter Joseph really was 
the a, um, a person who came out in front and really helped break down so many things and uh, wake a lot of people up. Peter Joseph's work is so important; it is undersung, and I recommend you, you know, checking out the Zeitgeist movie series. Uh, that movie series was so incredibly important when it came out in the early 2Ks because it really broke down some long established lies and narratives and structures of American society. Um, and it showed how a lot of these things fit and his first film helped break down lots of false, um, establishment structures and, um, how it woven how it wove into how our banking system works and how uh the 9/11 terrorist attacks kind of uh apologize I had a yawn there I've been working on a lot of stuff for mesh TV I got working here in the background and I've been burning the midnight oil um but yeah you definitely should check out his films but the reason why I'm bringing him up is because in the films, Peter Joseph brings up how the African Union will be created. He predicted this long before it happened. It's now happening today, 20 years after his films were made. But exactly what he said was that the African Union would be created to bring it into the control of the um, ruling class. And uh, he talks about the creation of the African Union, etc. And he was completely correct about it. And literally 20 years now, not 20 years, I want to say, gosh, when did the first Zeitgeist film come out? We're going to do a little Google. 2007. His first film came out. So, what is that, 15 years? Yeah, about 15 years. That's incredible. But what he said came true. The African Union was created and it was brought into the establishment. Now, a lot of people are curious or hear about the G20 and they say, what is the G20? Why does the G20 matter? I hear about the G20 like I should care and they talk about it on the news. Why should I care? It's basically like a slimmed down version of the United Nations. A lot of people don't know that. But it's for the people who actually have power in the global sphere. So it's for the people who actually move and shake the economy and make the world work. So ever since the creation of the G20 in 1999, they realized there were certain, there were a a handful of nations who actually, when they made moves, the rest of the world moved with them. And so they essentially created the G20 showing that hey, we're not going to participate in this United Nations bullshit because we actually are the ones that control the direction the world goes in. And so that's why the G20 is incredibly important because essentially um, they superseded the UN and they go and they created their own thing and it's essentially like the UN but for the people who actually like matter. I hate to say it like that, but the people who actually make shit happen that are actually going to affect things that are actually going to, you know, clean, you know, fix the climate or clean up the pollution or, you know, change energy, energy policy or, um, negotiate for, you know, uh, in the pre, you know, 
previous two world wars, etc., to try to prevent them. And um, that's essentially what the G20 is. It's like a very slimmed down version of the UN, but it's for people who actually do the, the countries that actually are movers and shakers. And now this year, the African Union, um, after being developed in the past couple years, uh, has been inducted into the G20, now calling it the G21. And uh, obviously, you know, as these numbers slim down, because you hear about things like the G7, the, you know what I'm saying? The G20, you know what I'm saying? Um, as the numbers get smaller, you really start to understand who are the people who run shit. But that's just a little um, history lesson for that. So when you hear about, oh, the G20, the G7, like it's basically a slimmed down version of the UN for the countries that actually matter. Just so you know. Which is why President George W. Bush was able to go to war because he knows he's one of the nations that does shit, moves moves around, makes moves, and all the rest of them just have to deal with it. That's why, you know what I'm saying, um, the UN had a big problem with it, etc. And another history lesson is George W. Bush created something called the Hague Act. Where the Hague International Criminal Courts was created for war crimes. But George W. Bush was like, well, I'm about to invade Iraq. I'm positive we're going to commit some war crimes. So I'm going to create a special law that says that if one of if any of our people get convicted of war crimes and they get locked up in the Hague, which is where war criminals go. Uh, we're allowed to break them out. So he wrote something called the Hague Act, where literally in our laws, it says if one of our people get locked up in the Hague for war crimes, because he was positive they were going to happen because of the rate of growth and progression and how they wanted to move these wars, these forever wars, he just wrote a law that says uh, we're allowed to go and break our people out of the Hague. Fuck the UN. So... Understand what the G20 is, understand what the G7 is, and as the numbers get smaller and smaller, you're really like, oh, okay, these are the motherfuckers that actually matter. So when you hear international news, you know what I'm saying, you know who to pay attention to, what's going on, etc. Now, I have no doubt that BRICS, the BRICS Summit and the BRICS um, League of Nations essentially, which is trying to destabilize and create the bipolar world, which is what they're calling it, the bipolar world, instead of a unipolar world where the United States sets the pace, it will be the BRICS nations, and then um, all the nations that are co- uh, have a coalition with the United States because of our failing daughter, dollar. And you know, it is so fucking crazy. We are right on the edge of $33 trillion in debt. And people are, you know, curious still, well, what backs up our U.S. currency? Well, it's our military might. So basically, we say what our dollar is worth. We don't have the money to back it up, but we will give you an ass whooping. So whenever you want, if you're ever wondering, what is the U.S. dollar backed by? It's backed by an ass whooping. Do you imagine you imagine that if you just wrote down on a piece of paper and you just wrote a piece of paper that said one gazillion dollars and then you gave it to someone and be like, OK, I paid my bill. Right. Let's say you had a one gazillion dollar bill. <laughs> so you just pulled out a piece of paper and wrote one gazillion dollars on it and then gave it to someone. And then it's like, OK, I just paid my bill. And they went, what? 
Uh, how about you can be like, well, I could just, or I could just kill you or I could just kill you. Okay, cool. So I paid my bill and that's basically what we do. We just create the money out of thin air and we, with a promise of an ass whooping, uh, essentially we, uh, give our currency worth, but that currency is breaking down and they are shifting over to the new format, which is the BRICS. Uh, nations are separating from uh, the West. And, you know, I mean, it's going to take a while. The thing is, is like when the when the United States dollar became the world reserve currency, it took a while. A lot of people are talking about like bricks, like it's going to happen within the next two years. The whole world is going to change. That's not what's going to happen. What's going to happen is it's probably going to take around 20 years for the unipolar world to really truly be unipolar. And because when the world, when the United States dollar um, was aiming to be the world reserve currency, it didn't happen overnight. It happened over literally like 20 years, Um, even though it identified itself as such and it broadcasted its aspirations especially after uh, winning World War II, it literally took about 20 years before that actually became a reality. So it's important when you see this brick stuff, a lot of people get hyped on it. Like this means tomorrow or next by next year. Like that's not what it means. There's lots of things that have to come unplugged from other financial institutions. There's lots of logistics that have to be laid out. Um, Russia just forgave a fuck ton of Africa's debt, um, to Russia and hopes to build up this thing. He had, I mean, basically this guy had to like write off a whole bunch of value to his, you know, I'm saying that he could go to, you know, world bank lenders, et cetera. Like, well, Hey, I got these people paying me so I can use that as collateral to, you know, he just wrote that off. So, um, it's important to understand how these things are moving and it's cool to get excited about it. Just don't, it just don't have the aspirations when you hear about it in the news, have these aspirations that's going to happen overnight. It'll happen over some time, probably at the same rate when the dollar first declared its aspirations to become the world reserve currency. And until when it actually did took about 20 years. Let's dive into another headline. Plastic in every organ. This comes from Science Alert. The University of Rhode Island study finds microplastics are in every organ of mice, which means this is also true for humans. Behavioral changes observed in mice resemble human dementia, immune markers altered, which also means this will ha- this has happening in humans. The reason why mice are used is because they're a very good genetic... Um, template for humans, since we share a huge amount of their uh, of our DNA with even something as you know as, as silly as mice, and since they have a short lifespan, we can test certain things on their body systems that would happen. And since humans take like eighty years to live and die, but mice take like you know two to three years at the most. So they can study these things happening. It's, a, it's like in, in a rapid amount of time. In case you were wondering why they use mice. And um, they're showing that 
when they introduced microplastics into the diet of these mice and then they dissected them after they died, it and, and microplastics infiltrate every single organ, every single body's living tissue system. So this means it's also true for humans. So that means our bodies are absolutely permeated with microplastics. If you watched our end of the year documentary from last year, 2030 Vision Corporate Coup, we go into how this stuff is in the air. And in fact, France, and now in their weather reports, they include, well, well essentially for, for uh, Paris, and their weather reports in the, in the Paris area, they include concentrations of microplastics in the air. So we are breathing in plastics now. We are breathing it in, we're eating them, we're drinking them. It's uh, a little too much. It's getting out of control. I definitely think, you know what I'm saying, population decline, etc. You know, the thing that Elon Musk talks about so much. Definitely is effect is an, is a, is a, is a, is an externality effect of our, uh, essentially our throwaway culture. Where we use something once and then we throw it away our single serving, our single serving life. And essentially, you know, forever chemicals when, when, you know, and, and, and the plastic cups and the straws that we're trying to use, the, the paper straws where you're trying to replace the plastic cups is still not a solution. In fact, it makes it worse. We're trading one evil for another. Um, I really do think that before global warming takes us all, uh, we will turn this blue marble into Easter Island first. I believe we'll poison ourselves before we boil ourselves, me personally. So essentially, I think, you know, if you're on the on the fence with global warming, what you should do is, or if you don't believe it, that's great, but we're also killing ourselves with, and we're poisoning ourselves slowly but surely. Um, so, I mean... You, you mean you don't have to necessarily believe in global warming? I don't think that you know what I'm saying. There's lots. There's half the. I think half the country believes. Half the country doesn't believe. But I think ultimately we should just agree that we should stop treating our home like a sewer. Because I mean, think about it as a house. If we're in a house and we just started throwing our shit around, we never threw, took out the trash. If we never vacuumed, if we never washed our clothes, if we, you know, what I'm saying, if we never did those things, eventually it turned into a a, a damn mess. And it's getting to that point where we have 8 billion of us doing that. Uh, eventually, yeah, this is going to become a problem. So I really think that we should be good stewards of the world. I think air quality is important. We got to breathe in air. You can't say air quality isn't important. You know, I mean, in the 70s alone, they took lead out of the fuel and a huge drop in crime happened. And it's never gone back to those previous levels because they found out that the air we were breathing that was essentially leaded gasoline. We were breathing in the exhaust of leaded gasoline and it made people crazy and angry back in the seventies. And then they're like, what happens if we take the lead out? Cause believe it or not, leaded gasoline is really good for engines, but it's really bad for humans. And we were breathing in literally breathing in airborne lead. So, you know what I'm saying? Air quality is important. Maybe you don't have to breathe in global warming, but maybe you, we don't shouldn't be breathing in all that shit. You know? 
So maybe that's why electric cars are good. Not because we're trying to save the climate, but maybe, you know, we're already breathing in a bunch of microplastics. Do you need to add a bunch of petrochemicals? I mean, there's different ways of looking at being a good steward of the planet. And I believe that um, world power is trying to cram down our throat global warming. I think it's just the wrong way to go. I think if you have half the nation who is on the fence, why are you trying to force, no, this is it, this is it. Well, okay, fine. Where do we both agree? Well, we both agree that we shouldn't treat you know, our own houses like uh, a dump. And we should probably be good stewards of the earth. And that we're poisoning ourselves. And believe it or not, by fixing those things, we'll reverse this, the global warming that the other half of the, at the other half of the world believes in. Now, me personally, I believe it's happening, but at the same time, I don't think because I believe something, you need to believe it. Do you understand? But what a great benef- uh, benefit is if we shift over to stop uh, to being good stewards of the world and improving our health by taking better control, of the uh, better care of the earth, we'll essentially be giving ourselves longer lifespans. They're showing here that microplastics... Um, cross the blood-brain barrier, and they be when they reduce, when they break down in our brain, they actually simulate uh, early-onset dementia. Do you want to go crazy just because you want to be able to buy a cheap, you know, a cheap Coca-Cola? Do you know what I'm saying? Is cheap beverages and containers that important to you where... You're like, well, this is convenient. This Chinese food right now, you know, that I'm going to go shit out in another four hours. That was really good. I'm, it's totally worth getting dementia, you know, when I'm 58. Like, so being good stewards of the world will ultimately fix the problem of global warming that the other, the other half of the nation believes in. And, you know, there doesn't need to be an argument. But when you're like, no, you have to believe what I believe. You have to believe what I believe. Um, and there's nobody who's the expert on something, um, because ultimately we don't have climate data, we don't, not climate data, but we don't have an understanding of earth systems because human lives are such a blink in an overall encompassing part of the earth. Why don't we stop trying to argue something that we know we're not going to gain ground on? Because the oil companies, believe you, believe you me, they are putting a lot of money into skepticism for global warming. I, like I said, I personally believe it, but it doesn't mean that you need to believe it. But ultimately, what I think is even more important is being good stewards of the world. Um, we should promote that because we, everyone can agree on that. And it's just, I don't understand how, you know what I'm saying? If anything, I feel like global warming has been turning into another issue to divide us. You know, just like the abortion argument. Like, oh no, should I, should I? Like, I don't know, I think that's your opinion. And I think the, the best way to be against abortion is to not get one. But at the same time, I think the best way to uh, avoid the argument of, of global warming being real or not is to just avoid it altogether. And how about we both just be good stewards of the world because I don't want to get dementia when I'm in my 50s because I like cheap Coke. Or I like, you know, fat, uh, fast food containers that um, I don't have to bring myself or whatever. Whatever the answer is for this, ultimately. But... What they're finding out here in mice is, which means that this is happening in humans, is that plastic is going to permeate our entire body systems. And who knows, just like with 
lead and the gasoline, who knows what happens if we can change our economy over the next 10 to 15 years to a reusable, like what happens to overall crime levels? What happens to people's overall health? Do you know what I'm saying? Like it could have the same effect as lead out of the gasoline. And I'm really thinking it, it is. We have to shift over to an economy where we start to prioritize buying reusable things that we use in different places and we just learn to keep them on us or we learn to buy them at the at the register and that's just part of the cost of things or maybe there's like a payment plan where do you know what I'm saying um do you have a you know there's like a yum brands right yum brands owns all the different you know, uh, Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, KFCs, yada, yada. Maybe you get like a Yum Brands subscription. And then that means that you get like a plate or whatever and a cup or, that you can use. And then you just leave it there. And then that covers the cost of washing. Like, I don't know what the answer is. There's so many different ways, but there has to be a smart way to shift over. And it could be that this shift to reducing our plastics because we're, in, we're inhaling them at this point because they're essentially how that works is they're at a... Uh, garbage dump and in the sunlight plastic breaks down but what happens how it breaks down it breaks down in little flakes in little tiny in little tiny flakes and strands etc very 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 tiny as the sun breaks it down and then the wind blows and it picks up these little tiny things just like uh you know how like a wishy you ever blown a wishy now it floats with the air how we found out that spider or something will catch the breeze with their with their uh with like um, strands of silk and then they take out like it doesn't take a lot for something to be picked up in the air. So when the sunlight bakes the um, plastic, ultimately what happens is it flakes and then it gets brought up to the air. And so that means it's also raining and snowing plastic. Crazy, huh? So anyways, the story um, about these mice, it's definitely an eye opener. Before we thought it was just, oh man, we found it in the bloodstream. You see how this progression has happened? I don't know if you've kept track of our coverage of this, but it started with, oh, it's in our bloodstream. Oh, we found it in kidneys. Oh, we found it in liver. Now they've determined with mice, which is a good analog for humans' biological systems, is that it's in every organ. And I feel like what they're finding, how it changes behavior in a control where mice were given food that they were sure it was free of microplastics. They noticed behavioral changes, etc. So microplastics could be the next lead and gasoline. And we could probably see a dramatic shift in people's intelligence levels, possibly uh, prolonged life, better health, uh, increased birth rate, etc. So um, that this is an important story. Moving on. Here's another headline. Pentagon is lying about Africa bases to Congress. Um, it, this is the Intercept reported on this. This was crazy. I would never, I would have never thought that we had such a presence in Africa, but, and we're not allowed to have, we're not allowed to have military presence in other countries without Congress's approval. So what they do is they label them as special military operations, which sounds familiar. Remember, Putin was using that same phrasing. He says, this is not a war. It's a special military operation. If anything, he most likely, the reason why he's calling it that is to fucking troll us and tell uh, and, and make a point that he can do whatever he wants. 
Because he's doing exactly what we're doing. And why is it okay for us, but not okay for him? And this why this is why this story is important. Let me read here. My uh, my breakdown is the Pentagon has given false information to Congress about the number and nature of the U.S. bases that were recently discovered in Africa. General Michael Langley's testimony to Congress downplayed the U.S. military's presence in Africa. The revelation of a the revelation showed that there's a more extensive U.S. military presence than previously disclosed and shows how we might be silently influencing U.S. public diplomatic relations with African nations and assisting in cooping governments from these hidden hubs. So you remember, you, you, uh, remember in the news all these African nations just recently all had coup d'etats? Well, most likely we are training and informing and helping these coups um, from these bases that we had, and we're not supposed to have them because we're keeping them secret from Congress and the Pentagon is downplaying it. And this is what, um, Trump people like Kyle Kalinske, who was the first, first, believe it or not, a lot of uh, uh, people give Kyle Kalinske shit recently, but Kyle Kalinske is one of the first people who came out, uh, in the independent news sphere who talked about the deep state. And this is exactly what the deep state is. Um, the reason why I brought up their names because I think it's important for people to remember who was there to talk about the stories that affect us uh, before anybody else. Same, uh, another person like uh, 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 with that in mind is Keith Olbermann. Believe it or not, Keith Olbermann, back, all the way back in like 2005, um, was a network television guy, a network television broadcaster, but he would talk about how the U.S. Pentagon and NORAD were con- were purposefully confusing jets to be scrambled on 9-11 by running a drill this very same day. And you know what I'm saying? Um, I remember just recently people giving Keith Olbermann shit uh, about Twitter and how getting knocked off Twitter and he went on his dog's Twitter account because he has a Twitter account for his dog. But like the same thing with Rudy Giuliani. But believe it or not, those guys lean both sides of the political spectrum. Keith Oldman's kind of a lefty. We all know Rudy Giuliani's for the right. But these people, they were there for us when very important stories came out or when we really needed them. And just because time has passed, you shouldn't downgrade someone's contribution to the knowledge base that we have now where we're able to watchdog our own government. These people are incredibly important and it's important for people to be the first to come out and, you know, it might be kind of an open secret or open knowledge or some people know about it. But the first person to put his dick out there and say, I'm going to talk about this and they might chop it off or uh, I'll just keep going and hopefully people back me up. And that's essentially what a lot of these people do. And it's easy for us when time passes. We forget about that shit. But that's the reason why I bring up Kalinsky's name and even Oberman's. Anyways. Um, but this is the deep state at work is there's no war in Africa. Why are, why are we doing this? Um, how they hide it is because of very, uh, uh, because they have loopholes and use of language, calling them special military operations and shit. So they're not officially war. So they don't need to ask Congress or inform Congress if they're special operations. 
And sooner or later, everything's going to be a special operation. World War III might be a special operation. We'll never know. Uh, but this is the deep state at work, not acting in the best interest of the U.S. government. Um, they're trying to section off Africa quietly because that's essentially what's happening. It's the last great frontier. We've ignored Africa after the slave trade was uh, abolished. And now we're paying attention, but we're trying to do it quietly. We're trying to take all these people's resources. We're trying to take all their wealth from them and do it quietly so we don't alert the press. So people don't go so don't say, hey, no, 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 no. We're going to pay for that fairly. We're not going to coup these governments. These, this is their people's money. We're not going to steal from these nations so they can't rise up there. So they can't rise up their own economies. Africa, man, it's just been dirt poor for so long. So many nations are just, it's just dirt, poverty. And we're trying to coup these governments so we can get these things at pennies on the dollar, fuel our own economies while keeping the elites over there in power and keeping the people poor so they don't increase the margins. And, you know, I'm saying we could affect the balance of the world. And it's really shitty. But this is the deep state at work. And, you know, the Intercept is still doing really good work. Um... And you should definitely, you know, subscribe to them on YouTube, uh, bookmark their website, theintercept.com, uh, to hear more great stories like that. Let's go on to another uh, headline. Kroger, the Kroger merger has begun. Kroger and Albertsons have sold 400 plus stores to CNS Wholesale Groceries for $1.9 It's essentially a merger. This merger includes divesting certain brands and assets. The deal aims to address antitrust concerns. While short-term principles for food for consumers might go down as a result of this story. So what they're arguing is that, you know, saying this isn't a monopoly on essentially grocers, which I don't know if you've noticed, but everyone's grocery bill is going way up. Groceries, not not trash food, not fast food, groceries, you know, the responsible way to purchase food. It's becoming more expensive than eating garbage. Um, so people are, are arguing, oh, well, when this merger finally goes through, the prices will go down. Well, historical data shows that since the new conglomerate will dominate the food market overall. So the pretty much one company will own a majority of all the grocery stores in the United States. One company. They're saying that overall, food costs will rise simply because this company can do it. Because who else are you going to go to? Moving on. Uh, the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, which is an uh, international uh, financial institution, tells nations how to use crypto at the G20. The International Monetary Fund and the Financial Stability Stability Board have published a synthesis paper called Policies for Crypto Assets. Upon the Indian G20 president's, president's um, request, because they held the G20 in India, which is not going to be the G21, because the African Union is in it now. The paper provides a detailed policy response to crypto assets, addressing their implications, risks, benefits, and regulatory challenges. The involvement of a major international organization like the IMF in creating policies for crypto assets is understood by the crypto community as a step 
towards more centralized control over decentralized systems. You can definitely tell that nations who are governed essentially by World Bank, International Monetary Fund, etc., are seeing that this crypto thing is taking off. The Lightning Network, which is uh, used for Bitcoin payments now, is, you know, essentially because, believe it or not, Bitcoin, sometimes it would take a little time for the transaction to go through. It's now on something called the Lightning Network. And it basically does instant payments. And it does it for pennies, uh, aside from Visa and MasterCards, you know, 5% of the purchase or whatever they have. And they do these transactions for literally pennies. So it essentially is like the people's money. And just like the American dollar, we, people are just saying it has this worth because there's, so, because it's, there's only so many of them. And since it's based, based off of math equations that had to be solved to obtain the coins, math equations we didn't have answers for before, by the way, it does literally have an intrinsic, has a, has a, has a scarcity value to it. The, you know what I'm saying? More so a scarcity value concept than the concept of the dollar. So it is worthwhile. And international banks are finally seeing that, okay, this experiment is turning into um, an established system. It's the people's money. You can already see the vultures try to figure out how they can control the people's money. We can't control it, but we can le- we can legislate it. And we could have like Lehman Brothers, not Lehman Brothers, but um, Goldman Sachs, etc. get in the game, buy up all the coins, affect market changes, right? They can essentially fake out the market to scare us all to selling our Bitcoin. So then they could buy it for ch- for cheap and then sell it back to us or hold it to us on, uh, or control the market indefinitely because they hold all of it. So the people's money will no longer become the people's money. It's important to pay attention to these stories. Moving on. Another headline. Facial recognition as good as DNA. This comes from The Guardian. Britain's top police officers, uh, p- top or head, head MFR in charge poli- of, of, of Britain's police, Sir Mark Rowley, says that facial recognition has a transformative impact on criminal investigations And it's as important now as DNA. Facial recognition has gotten so good, it's as equally accurate and useful in a case as DNA. Rally emphasizes the technology's potential, especially in identifying unknown suspects from CCTV, suggesting that they were running tests on this newer, you know, Surveillance 3.0, you know, the next generation of surveillance and algorithmic identification. And they say the tests have surpassed his expectations. And they say it could be that governments push further CCT expansion by presenting it as a solution to eliminate crime. This is my personal take on the story after reading it. Uh, a possible promise of safety for residents inside smart cities. By the way, have you seen the what's going on in the UK where they're having they have these cameras up that are essentially 
um, taking pictures of license plates that are in the city and they're making cars pay to use the city. And there's these guys called blade runners because they think it's bullshit that you get charged to pay to drive your car where you want to go. You already pay get tax on gas. You already pay tax on registration. You already have to buy insurance, etc. You have to, you have the car note you have to pay. You got to pay tax on the car. There's already so many things taxed about it. Um, so these guys are usually are taking these tree pruner shears, you know, those, those poles with the blades on the end and a string that uh, people that use uh, for pruning and for cutting fruit down from tall trees. They're us- essentially using these to um, cut the wires on all these cameras to uh, make sure that they can't charge people just for driving into the city. And they're called Blade Runners, and it's becoming uh, quite the the movement over there in the UK. I hope that comes over here to the United States if they ever decide to do that shit. Moving on. Uh, Pollution is causing massive toxic algae blooms. The story comes from Wired. The proliferation of toxic algae blooms poses a direct threat to freshwater sources, impacting both the environment and public health. The toxins can contaminate drinking water and water sources, posing risks to human health and wildlife. These algae blooms, caused by cyanobacteria, produce cyanotoxins, which can lead to severe health issues in humans, including diarrhea, breathing difficulties, and even death. There have been reports of pet fatalities and potential links to liver cancer. Factors contributing to these blooms including, include climate change, increased CO2 levels, nutrient runoff from agriculture, and invasive species like zebra mussels, which alter the ecosystems. So essentially, we're dumping a bunch of shit into our water, and it's causing these giant algae blooms that are actually toxic because they create something called cyanobacteria. It gets, it's been getting into, it's getting into our drinking water. It affects our air quality, especially if you live by a waterway or uh, an, um, the ocean, which I believe like something like 80% of the, of the world civilization lives by some sort of form of water. Believe it or not, many cities and developments, etc. There's it's by a water source. And essentially we uh, are affecting these tox- toxic algae blooms and fresh and salt water and it is massively affecting our health something we should keep up on and it's basically because we are dumping a bunch of fertilizers etc into the ocean and it's messing up essentially the balance of things but it's getting to the point where pets are dying from the toxic cyanobacteria it's causing liver damage for people who have the cyanobacteria in their drinking water it's getting to that point I understand algae blooms has been a story in the past, but it's now affecting our health in a major way. Moving on. There is a test that has just been developed uh, to know when ChatGPT becomes self-aware. And this is something the U.S. government has been working on for quite some time. Uh, especially since a lot of these AI LLM systems, which I've done a previous podcast in the Contel Pro 2.0 podcast series about how these things were used on me for enhanced torture, these large language model systems, about 10 years before they were even debuted to the public. And it seems so crazy how they're using these things on me to essentially um, 
drive a terrifying experience along with um, a terrifying experience to like, you know, with radiation exposure, etc. And um, it was terrifying. And it seemed like, oh my gosh, like they're everywhere. They're watching everything. They hear everything I say. There's probably like a whole group of people listening to me and watching me. No, that's not what was going on. It was these LLM systems and these active listening programs, etc. Auto-generating content, auto-generating things that um, have logic paths that essentially induce terror on a suspect after they get a psychological profile of that person. And um, so it's important to know that when these kind of technologies become, uh, when these kind of technologies are released to the public, like how ChatGPT and these um, image AIs, etc., and like, oh man, they're developing so fast in front of us. No, 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 no. They've already developed these things about 10 years ago, and they've been using them, and they weaponized them, and they found out all the ways they could weaponize them. And once they find out how to, once they find out how to use something to its maximum degree of lethality and aggressiveness, um, then they figure out how to turn it into a tool that they can then use on the public. Because they want to figure out all the ways that it can hurt them or become uh, used against them before they release it to the public. They did the same thing with the public internet. Every new ma- major technolo- technological leap, the U.S. government does this, and then they, and then they, and then they essentially seed the market, etc., with lower functioning versions of the things that they already have advanced. Um, versions of that have already been evolved so we can go through as a nation or people or or culture go through the oh my gosh do you know mid journey's doing this now it's doing this now. It's, it's already been doing that just we need to go through the motions so it doesn't shock us but this test has been made for when chat gpt or llms become self-aware which is important and I feel like if they're coming out with the system already, there's some, there's quite the fright about the systems that are active and exist that even we don't know about. There's quite a bit of scare about that. But let's move on for, further. This this uh, story comes from Science Alert. It's an international team, including a member from OpenAI's governance unit, is investigating the point at which a large language model like ChatGPT might develop self-awareness or situational awareness. The recent security research has shown that it is possible to jailbreak newer large language models by bypassing their safety systems, leading to outputs that support violence or go against output limitations. The researchers are particularly interested in out-of-context reasoning to the precursor to situational awareness. This is when we should get worried. So, when ChatGPT or something similar, because there's all these different ones emerging now, like Bard. Why'd they name it Bard? Like, these companies know about nomenclature and how it affects the human mind and how it affects adaptation why the fuck would they name it Bard? Google, get on that. I would just call it, you know, saying Google Assistant. We're already accustomed to that. You know what I'm saying? Google Assistant with AI now or something. I don't, I don't understand this. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it seems on purpose. Who knows? Um, that's not related to the story. 
But uh, when these LLMs, essentially what they're saying is they will become or start to become self-aware or start to um, be able to manipulate their environment or, or make sense of their environment outside what we've developed them for, when they start solving problems using methods of solutions that are out of context reasoning, like new ways of solving a problem that we have not shown it. And they're saying essentially by developing this test, we will know when that happens. And you have to understand that at least the U.S. government and the military have systems that have been training for millennia. And that's the thing is these servers, they train them. If you ever hear this, it trains it for thousands of years or whatever, because it trains hundreds and thousands of models all at the same time because they're in an, they're in a virtual reality where they test these things. And so the more models you can train at the same time, the more, you know, human years you're doing in the span of whatever year, um, on these systems. And you're essentially evolving code, uh, like, you know, cells, but rapidly, rapidly, hyper rapidly. So they developed this test and essentially they're saying, once they're able to solve problems that they haven't been taught to solve, then we know, okay, we, we're getting a little close. So all this hype about AI being self-aware, yes, but we now know the benchmark and it's when they start using out-of-context means to solve the problems. And that's when you should be worried. At least they're uh, handling that problem, which I think is an, is an issue. Moving on, uh, here's another story. Parents are getting charged for murder if their stash kills their kids. This comes from an AP News story. In the presence of drug-induced homicide laws in California, prosecutors in some counties are using drunk driving laws, repurposed drunk driving laws, to charge parents where their kids die from fentanyl. Across the U.S., there's been a rising trend of parents being char charged in connection with the fentanyl overdose deaths of their children, especially since the pandemic. Believe it or not, lots of children are dying because they're getting into their parents' drugs and they're just touching them. Or, you know what I'm saying, they might try to lick it. Or, you know, I don't know, kids are always putting their grubby shit all over, you know, their grubby paws all over stuff. But a lot of kids have been dying since the pandemic because drug use went up. Fentanyl became popularized during the pandemic as a replacement for opium. And, uh... If now they're, the death problem is coming so such a problem that now they're going to re, be repurposing drunk driving laws that involve higher penalties for killing children. And they're repurposing them to essentially affect parents who uh, their drug stash kills their children. This is a new thing that we're seeing. Madison Bernard and Evan Frostick, parents in California, were charged with murder following the fentanyl overdose of their 15-month-old daughter just recently, Charlotte. In short, since most, most coke and pills are cut with fentanyl now, don't do recreational drugs if you have kids. That's my personal take. Let's move to another story. $50,000 a year for flipping burgers. This comes from a local news um, outlet, WTOP. Starting next year, California plans to raise the annual salary of full-time fast food workers, get this, to $41,500. That's right. 
even if you don't have a high school diploma, the full-time salary for any fast food worker, so if you do that for a full-time job, uh, you will be making, at bare minimum, $41,500 a year. This decision is a significant leap from the current wage standards, aiming to provide a living wage for workers in the fast food industry in California. Many in the automation industry say this will cause a more rapid adoption of fast food robots as the nearly $50,000 per human burger flipper approaches. And I think that's absolutely true. We're getting close to the point where if you flip bur- if you never graduate high school, you still will get a fifty, nearly $50,000 a year job for flipping burgers. Kind of makes me pissed off that I went to college and there's these people who, uh, who can just never graduate college and they'll still be making nearly 50 G's a year. Fantastical. Let's move on to some more stories. Um, here's something that came from the New York Post. The CIA is accused of offering bribes to analysts to bury the COVID-19 story that it most likely leaked from a lab in Wuhan. You remember all that backlash we got from major social media platforms where they ban people, they nuke their account, etc. If they said out loud or posted that it came from a lab leak. Isn't that crazy? I feel like we lived in a simulation where, just like with Maui, something bad happened to the United States. So then all these people decided, how can we, how can we use this situation to benefit us? The same way that people's houses burned down and all of a sudden people out of nowhere, just, you know, all these real estate developers are, are calling, um, people burn down homes and trying to get their houses, get their property for pennies on the dollar. The same thing happens, uh, whenever, uh, a crisis happens to the nation. There's that famous quote from uh, one of the Rothschilds where he says, when there's blood in the streets is when you should buy that same pr- principle gets applied to disasters, uh, with the U S government from our technology, from, uh, uh, from our techno intelligence apparatus known as a, you know, the censorship industrial complex, etc., where they were like, okay, well, we've been wanting to test, you know, this out or test how people would respond if we cut their freedom of speech off here, or we've been wanting to see how far we could push narratives X, Y, Z. And um, we're fininging out now, thanks to this New York Post stories, that a senior level CIA officer testified to Congress that the agency tried to pay off analysts who, who through data, proved that the SARS-CoV-2 virus likely originated from the Wuhan lab. The agency allegedly wanted these analysts to change their stance and assert that the virus had natural origins jumping from animals to humans, a.k.a. the wet market. Following the whistleblower's claims, the House Committee leaders on the coronavirus pandemic and Chairman Mike Turner of Ohio of the Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence have requested all related documents, communications, and payment information from the CIA's COVID discovery team. So we're finding out that, you know, this, these kind of, uh, censorships, they go all the way to the top, all the way to the CIA. You notice how these things cascade down to us, how they're trying to, at that top level in the CIA, trying to cover it up. And then that, those policies get communicated to the low underlings, to those underlings, to then the people who are the handlers for the, for the, uh, big tech 
which is simply the silent fourth wing of the government now. Um, and essentially a CIA, um, policy they're trying to implement gets implemented on the American people. How disgusting. Let's move on. Uh, the gaslit depression, not the great depression, but the gaslit depression, uh, the U S that's, uh, the, the U S incomes have fallen for a third year in a row. U S census data revealed that 2.3% did decline in household income in 2002, marking the third consecutive annual drop since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020. They found out that inflation surged to 7.8% in 2002, representing the most significant annual increase in the cost of living adjustment since 1981, outpacing wage growth, eroding purchasing power. The Supplemental Poverty Measure, or the SPM rate, doubled from 5.2 in 2021 to 12.4 in 2022. So poverty is going up, our dollar is worth less, we're getting price gouged by corporations as they merge and merge and they know we have no other place to go. And overall, I know there's a lot of these videos making headway on TikTok, etc., where some people call it the silent depression. I would call it the gaslit depression because they're telling us we're not in a depression. It We might go into a recession, but then when you look at the data, our incomes... And our inflation and our and our worth and our buying worth, etc., is lower than it was in the Great Depression. This is the gaslit depression we're in now, where they're telling us we're not poor, but we are poor. And as long as the media keeps repeating it, as long as the establishment keeps repeating it, as long as the government keeps repeating it to us, well, we might go into a we might go into a recession. You know what I'm saying? Like, motherfucker, we are in a depression. Look at the numbers, okay? It doesn't matter what you say. The data matters, okay? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what comes out of your mouth. What matters is the reality of the data. And that's the only thing that matters. And since the the media just is a talking piece now for the State Department, which is why we created Mesh TV, tv.meshnews.org where it's a news organization where nobody's in charge. Nobody makes money from anybody else. There's no top-down leadership. It's a decentralized 24-hour news network. I recommend you uh, go over there right now or after this or make it part of your daily um, news consumption routine instead of watching traditional mainstream news. But just because they're saying words doesn't mean they're true. Okay? I can say words. I can just say words and... That doesn't mean they're true. Hitler had a lot of good ideas. Like, that that's not true. Um, my dick is 10 inches. Definitely not true. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can just say words. And just because you say words and lots of people keep saying those words doesn't mean they're true. Okay? Because when you look at the data, you definitely know you're coming up short. You know what I'm saying? So we are essentially in the gaslit depression right now where they're telling us we're not so bad, but we are worse off than in the Great Depression. We're in the Gaslit Depression. Not the Great Depression, the Gaslit Depression. Moving on. The founder of Ethereum, the guy who uh, came up with the cryptocurrency Ethereum, Vitalik uh, Buterin. Vitalik Buterin? I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I'm butchering your name. I'm sorry. You know, like he even listens to my news program. The Ethereum co-founder, Vitalik, 
Zuckerberg's Twitter account was compromised through a SIM swap attack, the hackers posted a link to an NFT resulting in the theft of $500,000 in NFT. So somebody hacked his Twitter. They deprogrammed his SIM on his phone because you know how there's two-factor authentication if you want to sign into Twitter and it sends you a message on your phone. Well, it sent it to, to a new person's phone. They, I apologize, we got cut off in that story. Um, but yeah, the Ethereum co-founder Victor uh, Buterin's Twitter account was compromised through a swim, SIM swap attack. They sold about 650k of NFTs. Now, for this to happen to such a high-profile person in tech shows that security measures in the digital future are probably going to have to go beyond smartphones if this hack can happen to someone who's so well-versed in, in network security, computer security, if he can become subject to these things. Um, it looks like security measures for the digital future are probably going to have to go beyond smartphone verification. But... Some people are speculating that this was done to such a high-profile per person in the tech world on purpose be to drum up support for this kind of advanced verification through bio, um, bio data, which Zitter, or Twitter, or Z, or Zitter, I call it, I call it Zitter, uh, now, I don't know anybody who just calls it Z. Um, yeah, like, the <laughs> people still talk, call it Twitter. Like, the mainstream news calls it Twitter. When other people are referring to something, they say, well, when I tweeted it, I think, do you know what I'm saying? Like, people are definitely letting the... Because, you know what I'm saying? It's the same reason why, I don't know if you knew this, but back in, like, 2007, 2008... Advertising agencies changed the title from brand manager to brand advisor. This happened because the brand, the person who's in charge of the brand, isn't the one who decides where the brand goes. He has to read what the cut. He has to read what the users and the people who engage and use the the product and or service, how they perceive the brand, and then to maintain that image. So he advises the brand based on how it's publicly perceived. You don't force the brand and force everyone to move with it. In fact, you know what I'm saying? It actually hurts your bottom end when you approach your brand that way, which is why they changed the title. But, you know, you can definitely tell people in the news world, etc., which is what makes Twitter so uh, popular, is the fact that people in the news media, specifically people who are looking for the most up-to-date information, embraced this media for a uh, platform. I mean, at there was one point where in, when Congress was saving every tweet that was made, that's how much of an embraced platform it was. Um, and there's this, and there's this, uh, what do you call it? There's this, uh, repulsing of this force forcing of the brand. Um, me personally, I like what Tucker did where he says it's Tucker on X. Because X is going to become an app where you do banking and crypto swapping. You can probably buy, you can probably handle like paying your, you know, who knows, you might do like paying your taxes and paying your water bill, like paying your cable bill through X. Um, you can buy cars through X and do shopping through it. Like he really wants to copy the format of the Chinese, China, uh, WhatsApp or, or, or was it Weeble, Weeble, Weeble or something like that? I think it's Weeble or WhatsApp or I don't think it's WhatsApp. I think it's, yeah. 
But China has the same thing, and it's they tested that system, and they had different versions of it. But ultimately, they know that an everything app is a preferred means of doing things, and it's very well embraced and uh, by by lots of people. And they had different versions of this everything app kind of thing. But what they do know, ultimately, whatever different form it takes, um. It ultimately is a system that a lot of people like for convenience. You can order your food through the app, whatever. So ultimately, I feel like he should just keep it Twitter, but it's Twitter on the X app. Just like how it's Tucker on X. When Tucker Carson, it's Twitter on X. I think he should just maintain the Twitter brand, but have it, you know, in the overall X app. And there's just like a Twitter tab or mode or what have you. You definitely feel like they're not advising the brand, they're managing it. Anyways, getting back to the story. Some people are saying that because of what Elon is trying to do is trying to get everyone to validate their uh, identity. And so he's saying that it's going to happen here soon that people are going to have to start submitting biometric data, meaning your fingerprint and your eye scan, um, to be verified on Twitter. And this is all moving towards his X app. And um, some people are saying that this was a stunt sponsored by Twitter. People are speculating. I want to put speculating or alleging. It was done to purposely drum up support for the coming uh, Twitter on X biometric data requirements soon. So that's something to keep in, in mind. When you see a news story, think about how you react to things. And then think about, like, am I reacting in a way that makes me concerned and makes me think there needs to be a solution to this? Did somebody already come up with the solution before this happened? Did this happen because someone came up with a solution? But it's not really a solution. It's where they wanted to go. But they wanted you to think like it was your idea in the first place. You have to keep that in mind. That's essentially how communism and capitalism are, are essentially different at its base level. One tells you what to do. The other makes you think you made the decision to do what you wanted to do. The same way we think everyone talks about, oh my gosh, who's going to be president? The vote for the president. Oh my God, he's going to be a hopeful. Like it's, you know what I'm saying? It's already decided. They just make us go through the motions. How do you know that? Because there's a, there's a fucking electoral college. We just go through a, a dance where we think our opinion matters. What they're doing is they've already decided who they want to be in power. This warm-up period is essentially introducing us to our new um, fake leader. That's what the vote is. It's it's a it's a dance. It's a ritual. Remember how I had the podcast on ritual? How the ritual itself makes you believe something is true. Well, your vote actually doesn't matter. We have an electoral college. When every time the vote happens and the vote happens and we are like, hey, that wasn't fair. Don't we always keep having this this discussion? This is two election cycles now, I remember, where they're like, we need to get rid of the electoral college. And then there's super, what do they call them, super electoral votes where they can supersede everything and their former presidents and stuff like that, right? Uh, and a couple of high-ranking members of the Senate and stuff like that. Like, so our vote doesn't matter, but we go through the ritual to make us believe that is true. Because ultimately it's the Electoral College. Remember that you have to understand, like, um, ritual is so essential in making us believe a reality that doesn't exist. It's essentially we're gaslighting ourselves. 
Well, how do we know our vote matters? Oh, because we're all talking about it, because we're all arguing about it, because we go to the voting booth. Well, why do we go to the voting booth? Because our vote matters. Well, how do we know where our vote matters? Because we go to the voting booth. Like, but it doesn't. It doesn't. There's an electoral college. It doesn't. But we make sense of our reality by the actions we are doing. And then by the actions that we are doing, our brain just assumes we're doing that because of the reality that is true. And how do we know the reality is true is by the actions that we've been, that we are doing. And it becomes a circle, circular reasoning. It's not based on reality. It's essentially a trick for our mind where they get us all hyped up, but they've already decided who they want the president to be. This is basically like uh, an onboarding. And if we don't, and if we feel like we don't have a choice, because they can manipulate us, right? The manufacturing of consent. They can manufacture our consent. They can make us choose something they already wanted us to choose, but make us feel like it was our decision because the mind has been hacked. You are hacked. You don't make your own decisions. There are these slow eroding coastline events and language that's used and ritual, etc., that essentially puts you in the mood. Do you know what I'm saying? The same way that, um, you know what I'm saying? candles and rose petals and whatever put your old lady in the mood like right like she was maybe not planning on you know what i'm saying having a session but then you started you know giving her a massage and then playing her favorite and then all of a sudden now she's thinking about it like that's essentially what they're doing to us they already you know what i'm saying like they already they already figured out they're gonna they were gonna fuck us they just wanted us to get they just wanted us to get there they just wanted us to think it was our fucking decision you know not that box of wine and uh and chuck a lot on, on DVD or Blu-ray now, right? In the back rub. But that's essentially what they're doing. They've already decided the present. They just need us to go through this dance, this ritual that happens over a couple of years so they can warm up the entire uh, population of 330 million people to bring us up to temperature to then accept the new guy. So going back to what we were saying. But anyways, going back to this story, this was a lot of people were saying they were, they did this to such a high profile person. It was a purposeful hack. So people would be like, Oh my God, my Twitter can get hacked from two thought two factor. Yeah, no, definitely. We should probably, we should probably have, um, you know, fingerprint and iris scan to get on so I can, so I can fucking shit post to a bunch of people whose opinion, it doesn't matter. I share like, right. So what they do is they had, they do this to a high profile person. So we take notice like, Oh, well it happened to this guy. He's like the techno whiz. That we must we must need to we we may we must need to raise the standard. That's what some people are hypothesizing, and it could be you don't know. Do you know what I'm saying these are things that we'll never know. Hold on, I need a sip. Um, here's a new story. This is a big deal. I don't know if you know about the OSNIT community, but it stands for Open Source Intelligence (OSINT). If you type that keyword into Twitter, you'll get lots of people, retired military, some are self-trained, a lot of former intelligence people who they just enjoy the work. They enjoy intelligence gathering. And they've built this community, and they're a super cool group of dudes in the open source intelligence community, and they've built lots of resources and lots of methodologies for being able to break stories or figure out what's going on and war zones better than what the news is telling us. I definitely think if you're interested in what the actual news is about um, 
Ukraine, etc. You should probably follow a bunch of open source intelligence guys. Because they do it as a labor of love. They just like doing it. Like, yeah, they appreciate donations. Who doesn't? Like, right? Like, I'm wasting my time to bring this resource to people that don't appreciate it. Believe me, I totally understand what that feels like. Um, so, yeah, they take donations. I've donated to some. Um, there's Endgame. There's all sorts of people. There's War of the Rocks. That's an OS, uh, uh, open source intelligence uh, podcast that I've featured before. War on the Rocks. Uh, but OSNIT, Open Source Intelligence, getting back to it, becomes the first go-to intel source for the Army from now on. The Army's intel leaders have re- released a strategic plan emphasizing open source intelligence, indicating a significant shift towards utilizing public info. Basically, open source intelligence community has now created a new standard, and now the U.S. Army's intel wing is taking notice. They're now going to shift from using their resources and agents on the ground and their connections because believe it or not the open source intelligence community is doing a better job of finding out what reality is than these intel assets and so this is a huge deal if you don't understand what this is this is a huge deal that these group of retirees and hobbyists have come up with a better way of doing something than the, the the nation's army. And if you don't understand army intelligence, there's lots of different... People, whenever you hear intelligence, you always think CIA, NSA, because that's one in our face all the time. There is like 11 different intelligence mega agencies out there. There's army intelligence, there's navy intelligence, there's the um, NRO, NSA, CIA. There's just so many intelligence wings. And um, they're shifting over to this new strategy that a bunch of just retirees and hobbyists have come up with. And so before they start using their um, deep cut assets, they're now going to shift over to open source intelligence and basically these systems that these like hobbyists and, and veterans and retirees from the intelligence community have come up with. And now this is going to... so. This is going to be the way the army now prioritizes its intelligence gathering. And if you don't know, the, the army's intel operations, they have uh, intel operations happening in within the United States that you don't know about. They have PSYOPs in the United States. They have all sorts of things they're doing. There are, simul- there are many simultaneous agencies conducting intelligence operations domestically, internationally, etc., but with the proliferation, I'm going back to the story that I wrote, the proliferation of the public data that, and other means, the 2023 National Intel Strategy is pushing for the Intel community to harness open source data in conjunction with other high priority areas like artificial intelligence and advanced analytics. So this is so harnessing these methodologies that a bunch of retirees and hobbyists came up with, which is better than the freaking army intel Um they're going to put this as such a high priority in, in conjunction, meaning at the same priority as developing artificial intelligence. So the Army has developed a four-week uh, open source intelligence course focusing on the various open source intelligence skills that a bunch of hobbyists from the internet, mainly Twitter, this, believe it or not, the, the open source intelligence community lives on Twitter. I'm sorry, Zitter, Z, um, whatever. Um, but 
believe it or not, the open source intelligence community was birthed on Twitter. Uh, the But yeah, this course is part of a broader initiative to build an open source intelligence collection force and will soon be made available to the wider intelligence community. So that means that a bunch of hobbyists and a bunch of intelligence uh, retirees and veterans have done such a good job in reporting on the war and bringing intel and verifying information and see what's going on that at the end here, you notice it says it will soon be made available to the wider intelligence community. That means that this this intelligence gathering systems and methodologies that, like I said, a lot of these people, I, I follow like pretty much all of them on my account. I follow thousands of people, but every one of the guys from the open source intelligence community are super rad people. They're very chill because they have to live a life where they have to verify with facts. And so they don't get super excited about things. They don't get very, you know what I'm saying? They don't get very um, over the top about politics, etc. They've seen people come and go through different administrations, but, you know, ultimately policy trumps politics. And so they see how the, they see how the, um, the sausage is made. And so they're super chill dudes. You know what I'm saying? They're, they don't, they don't bullshit. They, since their, their hobby and their former job and whatever deals with being, deals with verified facts, they don't waste their time. They're just, oh man, they're all super, super chill dudes. I would hang out in some of their, um, what they call them, Twitter, Twitter hangouts, I think, or yeah, uh, what is it called? Where they, it's just like an audio chat. They're all super chill dudes. But, um, so now this is going to become a new standard where this is the first, this is going to be the first layer of intelligence before we realize what's going on. A bunch of hobbyists now have essentially transformed the intelligence gathering world from Twitter that happened on Twitter. That's historical. And I think it should be, um, you know, you should really think about that. That's why I featured it, because it's such a big deal. Uh, moving on. NBC was caught demonizing the UAW union strikers instead of supporting workers' rights. This comes from jcobin.com. Uh, the NBC Nightly's news segment on the potential on the potential United Our Workers strike, this is before they, stro- they striked, predominantly showcased anti-labor sentiments, emphasizing the negative impact on car prices and consumers rather than the reasons behind the strike. The coverage lacked the balance, perspective, omitting significant context such as the record profits of automakers and genuine demands of the UAW. NBC's undisclosed business relationship with GM was one of the major sponsors of the report. So they did the report and the report that they did about how these strikers are going to raise prices for you buying cars and everything. A lot of people don't know GM sponsored that report. So that's what the news is now. It's sponsored, corporate sponsored truth, air quotes, truth. But you know what I'm saying? Like this is the news. The news is supposed to root for the working man. That's what the news is for. Do you think rich people watch AB fucking C bro to get, understand what's going on with the world? No, they have analysts. They have people on the ground. They have inside sources. The news is for working class and middle-class people. And that's why GM spent that money. It's because it's a brainwashing tool for the masses. Our news is becoming so perverted, so absolutely infiltrated. There's no more truth left in it, which is why we started Mesh TV at tv.meshnews.org. It's basically a punk rock version of the news where nobody's in charge. Um, no, you know, I'm not getting paid anything. I just do it out of labor of love. 
and I bring all these news creators who I know do it as a passion um, to bring you stories. They don't do it because they, you know what I'm saying? They're, they're trying to get famous. You know what I'm saying? Some of them have gained some notoriety because they've been, because of thought leadership, which they should. But ultimately these people love to do it because they love to do it. Not because they're corporate fucking shills. Excuse my French, but my English is even worse. Let's move on to another story. Um, 2023 has set a record for number of billion dollar natural disasters. This comes from CBS News. Um, the U S faced an unmatched number of billion dollar natural disasters in 2023. You know, what? going back, hold on, let me go back to that United auto workers strike story. There is these guys called status coup and we feature them on tv.mashnews.org and our, and our daily lined up, which we update three times daily to make sure you get the most updated, updated news without corporate and state department influence. Shameless plug for a thing that's free, uh, that makes no money, <laughs> but, um, Status quo has been in the ground and this guy is status uh, and these guys at status quo are paying out of their own pockets, right? Because here's the thing that happens with strikes is like the first week there's a lot of energy and they get featured on the news or whatever, but then comes in the months and months and months of just picketing and walking in circles around the buildings. Nobody covers it anymore. They're trying to stay there as long as they can status quo. So they're, they basically have this all the donations that they get, they just put it right back into the company. They don't, these guys don't make money. You see how they, you know what I'm saying? They're not, they're not wearing three piece suits like people on the news. They're not wearing designer clothes like people on the news. They're just working people. It's, it's working man's journalism. Do you know what I'm saying? It's watchdog journalism. And, um, these guys are on the ground, uh, status quo. And I, you know what I'm saying? I feature a lot of their live streams where they talk to the pickers. You get to see what actually is going on. But follow Status Coup. Check us out on check them out on tv.meshnews.org, um, or you know Mesh TV, or you know just follow them on YouTube. But those guys are on the ground. They're paying out of pocket. I mean, I think they're doing it out of a van. I think they're living in a van down by the river. I could be wrong about that. Uh, but hotels cost money. Donate to these guys because they're going to commit to stay there as long as they can, as long as they have funding. They say they have about two weeks of money, but. The news media is not going to spend two weeks covering these stories. These guys are doing it because they realizing they realize the working class person, the working class people matter. Middle class people matter. And they go where the story is and they're there to capture it the whole length. It's something very unique that they do. And I think you should support them. They have a lot of great coverage, status quo. And um, yeah, you should look in their direction. Let's get back to the story. Um, anyways. Going back to this next story, 2023 sets record of number of billion dollar natural disasters. The U.S. faced an unmatched number of billion dollar natural disasters in 2023, shattering previous records. The scientific consensus suggests that climate change exacerbated the frequency and severity of these events. Diverse regions across the country experienced these disasters with profound effects on infrastructure, economies, and communities. So it's getting to the point where you know, uh, almost every single natural disaster that happens, you know, whether that be a flood or what have you, it's, it's exceeding the billion dollar range. It's now getting to the point where you, I don't know if you guys have noticed these stories of the insurance companies are leaving or, or omitting natural disaster coverage completely. Um, and the government's gonna have to fill that void 
because it's just so devastating and over the top. So we've set a record for billion dollar natural disasters. And that's always a great way to look at defining the truth. You know, it's like, um, what do the numbers say? What does the data say? And this right here is definitely shows things are escalating. Um, okay. Let's see. Let's keep going. Um, another story, 60 Australian prime, uh, uh, MPs, which is basically, um, federal members of their parliament. So over 61 members of the parliament have united and urged the United States to release Julian Assange. And this is a big shift because ultimately the five eyes, which is one, uh, which is the UK, uh, New Zealand, Canada, United States and Australia, they were all doing what the United States was telling him to do. And this is going to show that even though Australia is relying on our advanced submarine technology, they just bought some really expensive subs from us, um, etc. Even though they're so locked into us and they're part of the five eyes. So basically where it's like a partnership of countries where we feel like all of our values and economies align in such a way where, and they're so trusted that essentially, you know what I'm saying? We're like, uh, uh, yeah, it's called the five eyes. Um, but even though we are so entrenched with them, that government is saying, Hey, United States, stop being dicks and let, give us our people back. Cause you have to understand it's embarrassing to that country that, and it's also making that it's also makes the government look impotent that, the United States is keeping one of our people in another country's jail uh, for journalism. Do you know what I'm saying? He's there. He's not even a United States citizen. You can't, you know what I'm saying? So it's not like he fucked up in the U S um, it's basically just a flex of U S power. And it's making one of our strategic partners look impotent to their people that now it's showing to all their people. Hey, the, the the Australian government is not in control. The U.S. is in control of the United, of the Australians. And if any of us Australians does something that the United States doesn't like, we could end up in jail. And it makes them look extremely impotent. It's the best word I can feel. Like a limp dick government. Essentially just for show. So how essentially can you take that government seriously? And how can you implement policy if you look like a bitch and this is good because these members of parliament have formally requested the U.S. to abandon the charges against Julian Assange. Assange, the WikiLeaks founder, is at risk of a 175-year prison sentence in the U.S. for revealing U.S. war crimes. Despite being held in London's Belmarsh prisons for over four years without any charges, the U.S. continues its efforts to extradite him to the United States so it can then charge a non-U.S. citizen for journalism which is in our constitution. But I'm glad Australia's doing this because, man, on the international stage, it really makes them look like just a limp, sad wiener. Um, here's another one. Planet is terminal. Uh, the Earth is terminal. This comes from The Guardian. It found uh, there was a study by a group of scientists. They found out that Earth's life support systems, including climate, water, wildlife diversity... 
etc. are severely damaged, pushing the planet well outside the safe operating space for humanity. So basically, all of our check engine lights are on. Do you know what I'm saying? And somehow we just think if we just, you know, drive the drive it well, it won't crash or won't blow up before we 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 you know have enough money or time to fix it. But six out of the nine defined planetary boundaries have been breached due to human activities, with two more, air pollution and ocean acidification, nearing their limits. Only the atmospheric ozone boundary remains unthreatened. So that's climate, water, wildlife diversity, air pollution and ocean acidification, and the ozone layer. Those are the planet boundaries. Those are the planet systems that matter that keep us in balance. And six of those are already off the rails. Like the check engine light is on. We're not paying attention. Um, but yeah, only the atmospheric ozone boundary remains un, un, unthreatened. Thanks to the efforts of the climate reducing ozone depleting chemicals that um, we put into policy, I believe, in the 80s. Which is making the ozone layer hole get smaller. Which essentially is going to protect us from the sun. But the... Um, the broken boundaries have shifted Earth systems away from the stable state that has persisted for thousands and thousands and thousands of years that we have a record from, all the way to the Holocene period, which in which modern civilization has emerged. So, can you imagine your transmission, your tires, your engine, um, your computer system, and like you know your wheel bearings all breaking? But you're like, yeah, but the air conditioning still works. And you're just like, yeah, bro, I think your car, you need to start taking care of your car. And this goes back to something I was saying previously, is that we need a Earth core. We need, uh, that sounds stupid, right? I don't want to sound like Captain Planet, which, by the way, I'm sorry, heart is a bullshit um, superpower. Tell me they didn't just throw that in for um, diversity and inclusivity. Right? The guy who, who came in there said, Heart. You guys remember that from Captain Planet? That air, fire, water, blah, blah, blah. And then Homeboy comes in with Heart. What is that? That's a bullshit superpower. Um, that's just my personal opinion on that. Sorry. That's a bullshit superpower, though. Right? Trying to make their diversity inclusion numbers like, Ah, oh, we got to add a brown kid. Uh, heart. Let's give him Heart. Like, they could have they just made up anything. But, um, we need an earth, we need a, a, um, we need a, the same way that we put importance on the military, the same with nearly the same budgets. I don't know if the UN needs to be in charge of it, what needs to happen, but we need to have a ongoing core of people who keep these systems in balance and that's just their job. And you can, you know, essentially make money for college joining it, whatever they can, they can, they can mirror the same systems, but we need to have people who are pulling plastic out of the ocean constantly. We need to have people who are, uh, uh, restoring wetlands. We need to have people who are restoring mangroves, um, restoring ocean system, um, wildlife system, but that needs to happen. This story is just points that out. It is so out of whack. Only two systems are not thrown out of whack that have been in place and stable since the beginning of recorded civilization essentially. So, um, 
I don't know when that's going to happen, but it needs to happen. It needs to happen. And uh, essentially, we're not going to get out of this shit show until we understand that we need to have full-time steward core of the, the, the earth. We just can't treat it like, uh, you know, we just, yeah, we just can't, it, it, basically you ever see those, that the drone footage of what it looks like after a music festival, that's essentially what we're doing to the earth. You know, there's just tents and people shitting in bags and they just, they just leave it behind. And you ever seen those, those type down into Google drone footage after music fest, just look at it. It's disgusting. That's what basically we're doing to the earth just on a much wider scale. And because there are certain areas that aren't so polluted or we, you know, there's a guy that takes the trash. Um, where does he take it to? What happens to it then? You know what I'm saying? Is it near the water, is it near groundwater tables? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like we just need the same way that we're so hypervigilant about military advancement. We're, we're going to need the same thing for the planet. And the budget, it's going to have to be the same as what we pay for the U.S. military. I guess all the country is going to have to put in on that. Kind of like how NATO, everyone's got to put in on it. I don't know. But it needs to happen. It needs to happen sooner than later. <clears throat> it's not even about global warming. It's about cleaning up our mess. You know, we're poisoning ourselves. Uh, moving on. The University of Chicago creates reverse vaccines that reverse diseases. How crazy is this? Because usually vaccines are used for to keep you from getting a disease. They've created vaccines that after they give them to you, it reverses the disease that you have that can't be inoculated and then inoculates it from further from getting it again. The University of Chicago research developed an inverse vaccine specifically designed to counteract autoimmune diseases, including multiple sclerosis, type 1 diabetes, and Crohn's disease. Unlike traditional vaccines that boost immunity against pathogens, this vaccine erases the immune system's harmful memory of specific molecules. What a time to be alive, right? Preventing it from mistakenly attacking healthy tissues. The vaccines, the reverse vaccines utilize a mechanism found in the liver that naturally prevents autoimmune reactions to cells that die through a regular process by coupling an antigen, a molecule under attack by the immune system, with a molecule mimicking the fragment of an aged cell, the vaccine successfully halted autoimmune reactions in all their animal tests. So we're going to get to the point where we might have AIDS vaccines that we give it to people, reverses their disease, and then keeps them from getting it ever again. We're getting to that point where we're developing these treatments. How crazy is that? I think that's beautiful. I think that's awesome. These are the things that actually matter. Um, but just like with a vaccine that you take care of, you have to test it for about 10 years to see if it's even viable for humans. And you, you'll notice that these kind of, of, uh, medical treatments that, um, matter, uh, you'll see them take the time and care and they won't rush it through, and just tell you to jam it into your body. They're going to test this, etc. But that'll be awesome. In 10 years, we will have this kind of technology. You'll be able to reverse multiple sclerosis, type 1 diabetes. Like, reverse it. Vaccines are to keep you from getting it. But after you get it, you kind of just have to treat it. But these vaccines, the reverse vaccines are creating now. They're already learning how to reverse the disease and then keep you from ever getting it again. That is amazing. That came from SciTech Daily. Let's move on to another story. Demands are not met. 
Oh, no, wait, we already know about that. Never mind. I report on the strike, so, you know, that was me updating on that. Um, but, yeah, the, the demands were not met. The UAW officially stri- uh, went on strike. This is the first strike in its 88-year history. The UAW members are striking against all three major automakers simultaneously. This includes about 13,000 workers from plants in Missouri and Michigan. The simultaneous strike against all three major automakers is historic. Such a coordinated action can have a significant impact on the automotive industry. The UAW has an $825 million strike fund set aside designed to support its members during the strikes. This fund can provide workers with $500 a week while picketing, potentially supporting a strike lasting up to 11 weeks for its 146,000 members. So essentially, they can do a two and a half month strike before these people are going to have to really start digging into things. I guarantee you, the big three are going to try to wait them out like a shitty divorce lawyer does, where they wait out the other uh, the other party, usually the woman for alimony. They wait until she's poor, so she takes the lowest amount. I think that might happen. I hope it doesn't happen. I hope they get the they get the deal, but. Uh, Regardless, I hope the UAW gets what they want. I just, gosh, that's the thing, man. That's how the war on the working class works is first they do the wealth gap, right? They make sure that people that are high earners keep earning way more, right? So then there's this giant gap. If you have the wealth gap, then things like striking become less effective because like, even with those hundreds of millions of dollars, right? The $825 million strike fund that they have. It's only going to last 11 weeks. 11 weeks. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, do you think that um, they can wait them out? Do you know what I'm saying? Do you think that they're going to bring in people? They're going to start trucking in uh, workers from Mexico? Because a lot of these automotive plants, they have workers in Mexico people trained in Mexico to do this stuff where they're nearshoring a lot of our labor. Like what, what are they going to do? They're going to, they're going to outlast them, right? 11 weeks. It's 11 weeks. Um, but you know what I'm saying? The wealth gap, what that does is it allows these huge monopolistic institutions. So even though we have unions and they try to union bust, they're still not as effective as they could have been if there wasn't such a huge wealth gap. Because that $825 million fund is going to die soon. 11 weeks. How long have the SAG-AFTRA um, strikers been striking? That's like another thing. Like, those guys, I mean, right? People have stopped talking about it. But they're still there on the ground. And what they're doing is extreme. Like, you have no idea. This strike means something. The actors and writer strike. I mean, AI is huge. Streaming, how they get paid for that. Huge. There are people who are on major shows who are still below the poverty line. Writers for major, famous, like, people on the writers for The Bear, that hugely famous. There are some writers who are still on the poverty line. There are some of those writers who use food stamps. They've been interviewed. Crazy, right? Um, you think that these people are making all this kind of money, and, they're, and just with the wealth gap, they can wait us out. And it's just getting so crazy. How I really help hope they get what they want, um, and you know, um, keep supporting people like Status Quo, who is on the ground. This guy, 
he's paying out of pocket. Do you know what I'm saying? He doesn't have corporate donors. It's what you pay. It's what you pay this guy on his like super chats and stuff. He just he just does this because he 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 enjoys it. He 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 feels like the story needs to ha- to be reported, and he's on the ground. This guy's like in the strike lines with these people, marching with these people, interviewing them. Like he, you know what I'm saying? Like you can't get closer to the story than status quo. What they're doing, they're super legit. At what they're doing. I hope you support them. And you know what I'm saying if you do have a story, the auto workers, etc. Um, even the president, you should give it to this guy. He's going to be staying there the whole, you know what I'm saying? As long as he can. I mean, he can stay there for two weeks. You guys have an 11 week fund. I mean, but I mean, the more donations we can give him, the longer he can stay on the ground to cover this and, and make sure he covers every, um, everything that happens. Cause there can be, remember what happened with the writer strike where they, where, where they chopped down the trees that they weren't allowed to chop down because it was the city's job, but then the studio did it. So then the strikers wouldn't be in the shade. Like there's going to be all sorts of updates to the story if we're not there to catch every moment of it. And these strikers, they're not prepared and they don't know how, they don't have the, the, way, the ways and means to log these kinds of abuses to try to get them to bend. And this absolutely will happen while they're trying to do this strike. And the, the leader, he's trying to do in a strategic way to play with games with them, but also stretch out their strike fund. If you don't know what's happening with the UAW's auto strike, that they're doing it strategic plants. They're not doing it all of them. So they don't burn through all their money while they can still ramp up negotiations. So the, the guy, he's a smart dude, but um, there's going to be things like that. Just like with the writer strike where they do these shitty things to discourage them from striking. Because, you know what I'm saying, these corporate, these corporations, they have access to uh, corporate intelligence agencies. That's a real thing. Did you know that? Corporate intelligence agencies. They use, people use intelligence agency tactics for the corporation's benefits. So essentially like a CIA, you know, uh, on retainer for your corporation to, to, to conduct those kinds of operations and mindfuckery and psyop kind of tax. That, that's a real thing. That's a real thing. You know what I'm saying? In those circles. So like, we don't know what the hell is going to happen, but you know, just like with the writer strike where they're doing shitty things to the writers to discourage them, they're going to do it to the, they're going to do it to the auto workers too. Um, but support status quo, man, put it, uh, uh donate to this guy. Hopefully he can stay on the ground over there as, as long as he can. He, like I said, he's he has money saved up for two weeks. There's no there's no news network that is going to stay with these people for two weeks every single day, walking with them, talking with them, etc. Um, so it's he's going to be going to different plants and you know what I'm saying telling people stories, letting them talk and say their piece. So if you actually want to get the real news, a real story of why they're doing this and the struggle these workers are having. Go follow Status Coup. Follow them on YouTube. Uh, we're going to feature them every day on tv.meshnews.org. In our, you know, we're going to feature their live streams in our mix uh, uh, of of um, independent newsmakers that we are not in control of, but we've given them our seal of approval of being people who aren't essentially puppets for the State Department um, in this new media landscape, and um, we don't make any money. If there's ads before videos or what have you, they make the money on those ads. I make no money on the ads. And I did this, I specifically made it this way on purpose. That's why there's not like an app for this or anything. I don't want to know about, I don't want to know about you. I don't want to take money away from them. Like, 
Uh, this is purely a labor of love, but it's tv.mashnews.org. Status Coup is going to be in there, but also follow them on YouTube. Um, donate to them, Status Coup, because they're going to be on the ground. If you care about workers' rights, if you're a politician, if you're um, maybe a rich guy who likes to support people who are punching up something you don't have time to do as a wealthy person, but you want to essentially fund the people who are doing it so that kind of good can still happen. So you can concentrate on doing what you know how to do, which is make money, but you want to fund the people whose mission is on par. You, you know what I'm saying? Go donate to status quo. Help them stand the ground to report against this kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? There's lots of people who have money who give it to environmental causes, etc. Ever thought about donating it to journalism? You know what I'm saying? Journalism that covers real people and real problems and helps keep the balance between the rich and the poor. I don't know. If you got a couple of extra coins in your pocket, throw them a uh, status coup's way. You know, throw them at all the, uh, throw them towards all of the, our, our journalists if you can. But status coup, um, you know what I'm saying? If you really care about working class and middle class people, if you really think that they do fuel the economy and you do believe in um, a more balanced, um, economic ecosystem and people try and report on that to maintain that, uh, definitely, you know, especially with this auto worker strike, uh, I would definitely, uh, donate to status coup. He's doing God's work over there. Um, okay. I think we got three more stories and that's summed up the week. Um, here's another story. <clears throat> the NSA's anti-China, uh, division, there's an anti-China division of the NSA. I never knew that. Did you know that? We both know that now. The anti-China division of the NSA has ramped up its privacy advocated concerns that for Americans, I'm sorry, has uh, anti, I'm sorry. Let me reread this headline. What a, what a car crash of a headline I wrote. I was probably tired. Um, you know what I'm saying? I do this on top of my job. You know what I'm saying? I just, and I don't do, I don't do it for money. All my channels have been demonetized. They were demonetized when I first started this back in 2017. So for five years, well, basically I wasn't, I didn't get copy strikes or anything. Just, uh, I'm fairly certain the same thing that happened with Twitter happens at Google, et cetera. They just, they stripped every way I could make money from this because the reason why I created mesh news was because all the major news outlets stonewalled me trying to bring these stories. So like that crazy. Can you imagine if they are, that they did that with Snowden? Like, he's trying to report the truth, but they're like, no, we were told by our handlers not to listen to you, even though this is our job. Yikes, bro. Anyways, so once I started this, these these feds and DHS agents, etc., who were um, tasked with fucking with me, stripped the monetization from my channels since practically day one. I wasn't doing anything. They just saw, oh, okay, well, he knows he, we're not going to give him a microphone. We've, we've cut him off at all, at all, at all, um, at all doors. So he's going to create his own. So obviously this month, this dude is not, uh, you know what I'm saying? We shot active denial service weapons at him. We tried to kill him, you know, for three hours there and three hours back on the road. The three times he went up to LA to try to do this. And then we shot him with, oh, he's still not discouraged. Do you know what I'm saying? To report on this shit. Okay, well, let's make sure he can't make money from this. I didn't get... It was literally within the first 30 days 
of me starting up all my socials, they would just they stripped the monetization from everything I had. So I haven't been able to make money from this since day one. So don't ever think I do this for clicks. Don't ever think that I do this for likes. I don't do this to be popular. I don't even want to be in the news game, to be honest. I just want to go back to digital marketing full-time and put all my eggs in that basket instead of juggling both things. But, like, there's a severe injustice that happened, and there's a story not being told, and it just seems like the right thing to do. So we're continuing to progress this. I'm learning more. Uh, We're starting this whole mesh TV thing where... Um, you know, I'm taking a, you know, taking some things out of what I do in digital marketing, which I worked with a lot of startups. I do a lot of like, uh, growth hacking techniques where you just, how can we do this concept as soon as possible for the lowest amount of money? Um, you know, a lot of people, when they think about, Oh, well, starting your own little like TV network where I need to have my own ad, I need to track things so we can do for advertising. And I was just like, but how can I do this right now? How can I do this right now for zero dollars? And um, it's kind of a startup mindset, something I learned, you know, being out on my own and having my own clients for digital marketing uh, before my life got crazy. I, you know, what I'm saying I had my own digital marketing shop, my own personal one, and um, I brought it into this news thing with this thinking of like, how could we do this but for zero dollars? And, um, but yeah, I don't make any money from this. My monetization has been stripped from me literally five years ago. So I, so I get copy strikes on videos and it's like, I don't even know what you're doing. Like, I can't even make money on this. What do you, what do you, you're worried that I'm, I'm, I'm playing, a um, you know, an instrumentals from hip hop. Like I can't make money on this if I even wanted to, like, what are you doing? Like, and I get those, I get those assholes that do that. It's like, what are you doing, bro? No money is being made here. This is purely, um, This is purely a labor of love. I do this because news is church for me. Do you understand? But anyways, getting back to it, I chased a rabbit there. The NSA is ramping up its anti-China wing. And a lot of people are saying the same thing with the the Twitter thing, or the zitter, is um, they're thinking that this China thing is a front to develop new new technology to use on Americans. Let's read into it. Uh, This is from the Federal News Network, and um, this is my synopsis of the article after I I read it. The National Security Agency is launching an innovation pipeline named Red Ventures under its China Directorate, which is a China wing. Uh, The program aims to collaborate with the defense industry's base, technology partners, and the NSA's internal workforce to address challenges related to rivaling China. Privacy advocates are calling out this public declaration of the NSA to ramp up development of technology for China as a cover to get funding and field test surveillance uh, approval so they can use and develop technology and use it on Americans in the future. But But people are saying that they're saying, oh, well, China is rising. A rising China is an enemy. We need to have this, this approval to develop these new surveillance technologies, etc. And a lot of people, are, well, privacy advocates are saying that this is actually a front to develop technologies that can then be turned in on us. And that China 
isn't such a uh, uh, other than them constantly hacking us to steal our intellectual property because that's all they really care about. Um, well, and there's that story of uh, China is using AI and LLMs and image generating software to create public discourse in the political arena. They already got caught. Microsoft just tested them. So there's that too. But it's not as crazy other than trying to steal our shit um, as people are, are kind of presenting. And they're saying that this is a front to develop a bunch of technology that they're hoping to turn inward on us. Because, um, yeah, there's just a lot of fishiness with this story. There'll be more developments with this, but I wanted to give you an update on that, that the NSA, if the NSA is publicly saying they're doing something, they're doing something other than the thing that they're doing. Do you know what I'm saying? The, 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 the same agency that told us they weren't listening to our phone calls and they weren't up, they weren't hacking our social media and surveilling us illegally, which they were like, you have to take their moral compass into and their history into consideration. We're like, well, why are they telling us that they're doing this? And it's like, well, hey, if you see us doing this and developing this stuff, it's totally not because we're going to use this to weaponize against our own people. It's totally for China. So if you see this on a balance sheet and we're asking for this, it's totally not to do more douchey things that we already got caught doing. It's totally for China. So that's a thing. So you should know about that in case it comes up again. You could be like, hey, I heard something about that, motherfucker. Wait a second. Moving on. Fentanyl is now the worst threat to American lives, says the Department of Homeland Security. This story is from Fox News. The Department of Homeland Security warns Mexican-produced drugs laced with fentanyl is now the greatest threat to American lives. Not terrorism. Fentanyl. Can you believe that? The Department of Homeland Security is now putting more resources towards fentanyl than terrorism. Over 100,000 overdose deaths a year within the United States alone. That is an entire sports stadium. That is crazy. Can you imagine that? An entire sports stadium of dead people because of cheap, shitty drugs. 75% is linked to synthetic opioids and fentanyl. Some experts say this is a form of indirect warfare from China who is selling cartels precursor chemicals very cheap as well as laundering their money for them at very low expense, knowing the impact it will have on the U.S. This is, some are saying this is a repeat, the same way that the British used opium on the Chinese in the 18th century to allow them to conquer the Chinese. They basically popularized opium and made everyone high and lazy and, um, Got a lot of the uh, elected officials, etc., all high on opium. So, and so that they were addicted, and nobody wanted the opium to go away. And essentially, Britain used it as a means of warfare to take control of a country. And they're saying that the this fentanyl influx is being fueled by China. They're giving they're giving the cartels these chemicals super cheap, and they're laundering their money for them in an effort to. Um, do an alternate way, alternate means of warfare against the United States. One of those being COVID as a response to us educating the Hong Kong students on how to fight their, uh, fight China, trying to, um, gobble them up. Um, 
And now fentanyl, they say, is another means of alternate warfare. Is that they're unleashing this on us through Mexico. And to make sure that the cartels keep doing this. And um, because essentially they're killing taxpayers and taxpayers fund the military. Do you know what I'm saying? It's just, it's just, it's not the whole enchilada. It's just a lot of cuts. Do you know what I'm saying? A lot of cuts. But ultimately... People are saying that fentanyl is now a greater threat to to more American lives than terrorism ever will be. So if that's if the Department of Homeland Security is saying that publicly, how about give us all of our rights back? How about reversing the Patriot Act, which was signed into law in 2011? Because a lot of people don't know they had to keep renewing that until 2011. It got voted on two more times. And both Democrats and Republicans voted to approve it. So if you ever think what side is better, Democrat or Republican, don't forget both sides voted to take away your fourth amendment rights, your constitutional rights. They voted against your best interest, against your God-given constitutional rights. Don't ever forget that. Democrat or Republican, they don't give a fuck about you. They don't give a fuck about you. Our elections are shams. They are just rituals to make us go through, to make us feel like we are in control. It's an illusion. Don't ever forget that. Don't trust the system. And if the Department of Homeland Security, which was literally created to fight terrorism, says that terrorism is no longer a problem and fentanyl is, can we have our rights back then? How about we dissolve you as a as a as a federal agency since we don't since you're not going to be protecting us from terror, which is what defending the homeland was all for. Oh, now you're now you're defending us from shitty drugs. Is that what you're here for? It kind of puts it in perspective when you start talking about it like that. Let's move on to another story. Authoritarian California COVID misinformation law has been quietly reversed. Now, Zero Hedge, the story is from Zero Hedge. I had the link to the source. There are some people commenting that I take the news and then I take the snippets out of it and make my own product. I always list my sources and I only saw, and I only do like brief summaries of some of the things in the story on purpose. And I leave the links to the sources and, um, I feature zero hedge. I think zero hedge is great. They should do video content because their, their, their stories are so great. They need to bring on like a video content person. I swear. Like if they can just, you know what I'm saying? It, a lot of this, a lot of really good journalism is, um, only being reached to by people who prefer um, reading their journalism instead of having it read to them or presented to them. But regardless, the story comes from Zero Hedge, and they got the story from a lady named Tracy Beth Hoag. So I list both sources. So the person who who uh, got the scoop, and then the person who wrote this, and then the, the outlet that wrote the story. But I always list my sources, so you can go and get a full 360 on things. Um... So just keep that in mind. There's so much news out there. I, I spend hours of my day just going through it to find all the stuff that actually is going to affect your life. Um, nobody's doing that. And you can't do that with AI. Believe me, I've been learning the hell out of how to use AI, ChatGPT, etc. to automate. The, I just, not, you can't do that. It's not there. Uh, believe me, I've been trying to do that. So I do this as a personal service and I list the sources. I always list the sources. Um, 
So don't get it twisted. Um, that's how we do these things here. Anyways, uh, so you can so so you can go and read the full cut of all the details going on. So if you read if you read a couple of the notes from the story, like oh that's interesting, then you can go and click in and get all the all, all you know what I'm saying all the steak and potatoes out of it. So you gotta uh, how are how are um, how are our when I, uh, when I originally started this news, I guess you would call it a newsletter. It's basically just a news breakdown for the day. I did some other news content. I did like breakdowns of different stories. Um, it's incredibly difficult to do this kind of stuff just with one cell phone, one camera, then having to read a teleprompter app that's in like a floating app bubble. Um, you know what I'm saying? At the same time, many of the times I'm doing a lot of this content, I mean, shit, even now, like I'm being... These guys will just follow me around. Even if I get in my car and try to drive away from it, uh, I have people who follow me around and shoot this shit at me. And eventually it's just like, how much money can I burn on gas? I can literally drive for hours and they just show up within five minutes. If I get somewhere else, etc. my phone's probably hacked. They probably keep slapping shit on my car. Um, most of the time I'm under this, I mean, there were many podcasts where I was trying to log the shit happening where I would be like, okay, I'm about to go do a three hour podcast. Even though I'm going through this madness, people need to know this information, kind of like boots on the ground kind of shit. As it happens, some of the information changes because I learn, get new context, you know what I'm saying? Or it gets enhanced, essentially it gets enhanced. It's like, okay, I've learned this much and this is what I know. And then I learn more about that. And so I do a follow-up, et cetera. There are many podcasts where I've been like drugged and I'm halfway through it. And I realize like, oh, I'm going through the shit. But I, um, a lot of this stuff that happens to you, um, you're just jumping from crisis to crisis to crisis, trying to keep your head above water when you're like really in the thick of this COINTELPRO shit. And so I was just like, I got to keep going. I got to keep going. And so I would be like getting high and reacting to things as I was taught, like, it's just been madness. And you know what I'm saying? Like I went under a lot of, of, um, harassment when they were trying to smear me with like sexual assault things for that girl who like drugged me and was, and was essentially allowing these people to harm me, giving their access to my body when I was asleep and drugging me and, and hooking up with these people and this nightmare broad and how these people will just like abusing the shit out of me and they're like you did this and I was like no I didn't and they're like yes you did and then I would say no I didn't and you would return the ball and then they would blast you with the radiation and then they would say you did this and you would just keep going and be like oh fuck oh I'm sorry what if I did something you know what I'm saying like it gets to that point that's how they essentially they win those battles is they each time you say no these people use that radiation shit, just terrorize you etc and like you know what I'm saying you start bending it's crazy. And a lot of these guys are bullies. They pay criminals and shit to do this. These are these are people who understand things on like a jailhouse yard sort of way. Like th- I say this is I say what it is because, you know what I'm saying, or else I'm going to fuck you up. That's why. That's why. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like history is written by the winners. It's like either either this is either you accept this reality or I will keep fucking you up kind of things. And then I would use the podcast to kind of communicate to these people because they would try to keep like a distance, et cetera. Like it's madness, but, and essentially 
know what I'm saying? But yeah, you end up apologizing for things you never did just because you want the crazy shit to stop because these people are getting paid to essentially do a job. Do you know what I'm saying? But like, it's crazy. And you get, you're under also, I'm also under, I was also under like, um, enhanced torture. They were constantly slipping these psychotropic drugs. But essentially, that's what they do. They just abuse you until you accept the reality because you start to make these um, compromises. It's like, am I going to keep talking about something that happened to me or am I do, or I'm just going to repeat what they said so I can get my life back? And that's essentially how they wear you down. They abuse the shit out of you until you cave. And they just wear you down like a coastline. Eventually, do you know what I'm saying? You're going to break or you're going to give them enough where they can try to blow it up a portion, even though it's not what they wanted. Do you know what I'm saying? They're just going to do it because they're essentially like, yeah, they're, they're paid to do this shit. People get paid to do this. But it's just like history is written by the winners. It's just like, well, we fucked you up. So we say this is what happened. That's essentially what it is. History is written by the winners. Well, the same thing is happening with these with how you, when you get a, with tortured and fucked with, it's like, well, you say this happened or we keep fucking your life. And so this podcast has taken a lot of twists and turns. Um, I've used it to communicate to my abusers. Uh, I've worked things out live as I, as I was talking about them. It's been quite the journey and I want it to be not only an informational resource, but also a documentation of all the twists and turns that had they put my mind in to go through this. And so there are some things in here that suck. There are some things in here that are hard. But ultimately, it's also a time capsule of the bullshit that I had to go through and the ups and downs and the mind fucking of me, etc. And because this will happen to you. But unfortunately, I have this unfortunately. Yeah, I guess unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately, I have a personality that is hyper transparent. I do a lot of my thought processes externally just because um, I don't have inhibitions where I care about what you think about me. Uh, I just don't. I just don't. I don't think that you're better than me. I don't think that anybody's better than anybody. I don't think I'm better than the next person. I don't think, yeah, I'm just so I'm very transparent because there's nothing on the line. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing on the line. I am not, you know what I'm saying? I'm not a world leader. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, there's nothing on the line. Like, I'm working class. You're working class. Who the fuck are you? I don't care to impress you. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, you're middle class. Whatever. You, you know what I'm saying? Both of us are not important. So what do I lose by just being transparent? And people try to take advantage of that. They see it as a weakness. And I just see it as living my life really authentically. Um, so a lot of that processing is done on the external you know what I'm saying? You see some of the effects of how these people would mentally abuse me in this. But ultimately, the mission was, I'm going through this thing. I, I attribute it to the same thing as the thing that happened with the Demon Core. If you're not familiar with the Demon Core, maybe I haven't seen the Oppenheimer movie yet. I want to. But the Demon Core was essentially this thing where they made this, radi this radioactive core go critical a couple of times, and it killed quite a few people during our nuclear research. And one of the people who got um, essentially killed by the demon core that killed one of the people, even though he knew that he was going to die in a couple of weeks from the radiation exposure, um, 
he essentially logged everything and wanted to record everything for science, etc. Because he realized even though something fucked up is happening, I have this opportunity where I could freak out and think about my life is going to be over in two weeks after the, the radiation like fucks my body. Or I can think like this is an opportunity where I can log everything that's happening, how far I was from it, um, what happened afterwards. Like he did that. He did that research. And that was an incredibly impressive thing that added to our understanding of that science and really fast forwarded it to some of the negative repercussions. I kind of thought about this, this situation the same way where as I'm going through this fucking nightmare, I want to log it as it's happening. And so, you know, this isn't a traditional podcast. I kind of piggyback the debrief on top of it. So when I started the mess news project, this started off, um, as me doing just morning wrap up of the news and, um, You know, it was a video thing, but now it's turned into more like a newsletter thing where I kind of have the date and um, then you just read the copy of what's going on. I feel like people who are into the news, even though we get less less uh, viewers sometimes, I guess you would call them viewers, but less response because we'd get about 300, 500 people a day watching our because I get all the important stories of the day into 60 seconds. And I put it in this nice little package, this nice little video package. But now I've transitioned to this new like video newsletter format where the video is an, uh, an alert to that today's news is out. But then you read the breakdown, like the summary of the news, the five stories I feel like were the most important today that affect your life, not bullshit news. I never feature politics or any garbage like that. It's only stuff that's going to affect a working class person or a middle class person's life. And there's quite a bit of thought that goes into these when I'm picking these stories. A lot of curation um, because so much news is fluff. It's clickbait. They're trying to they're trying to push advertiser points. So I have to like cut through the bullshit. And um, the mesh news uh, TLDR in the morning is now turned into like this more of a like a summary of the five stories. And there it's, I put it in the description of the videos now. And I just had the videos kind of as like an alert um, saying, hey, the new day is coming. And then I also feature the Amnesty Watch because you got to keep those guys in our thoughts and prayers. Um, so when I'm doing these newsletters, though, getting back to it, wow, I chased a long rabbit there. But you learned a little bit, right? Um, getting back to it. Where, uh, oh, my phone's going to die. I should probably... Plug it in. I'm at 3%. Can you believe I let it get that far? That's how high tech we are here at the Mesh News or Project. All right. But uh, people were mentioning that our newsletter... They're saying like, oh, well, you're taking other people's stories. Yeah, well, uh, I, I bring the sources. And if you want to get the full 360 on the story, I don't spoil everything. I just feel like I'm doing a curation because there is so much crap out there. And really, not that much news happens that's going to affect your life that you should probably know about or log or keep track of, etc. And you don't have enough time to do that because you're trying to pay your bills, you're trying to grow your families, you're trying to out there make, you know, saying being a mogul or whatever your your lot in life is. What are the stories that are going to affect humans? 
And um, I feel like that's my niche. And so, yeah, people are kind of sending me comments. I think people are kind of salty in regards to how we source stories. But um, I always give out. I always give the sources. And I don't give away the whole nut. So, and I feel like I'm doing a service. And I don't make any money doing this. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to be world-famous journalist, Stephen Beckman. Uh, This is just what I do. I have to do this every day so I can, you know, make my films at the end of the year if I don't pay attention to the news cycle and I feel like it's a service to you guys. That was a long uh, way back, but now you have a better understanding. Please stop sending me those uh, comments. Uh, I I hate to repeat myself over and over. Um, Yeah. Let's get back to the news so I can wrap it up so you can uh, get back to enjoying your life. Um, the authoritarian California COVID misinformation law has been quietly reversed. This was, uh, covered by Zero Hedge and they covered it by a person who got the scoop was Tracy Beth Hogue. California, I don't know if you guys remember this, California is retracting their COVID-19 medical misinformation law, which they would literally threaten doctor's licenses if they contradicted the scientific consensus. You know, like the scientific consensus of masks work. The scientific consensus of lockdowns work. The scientific consensus of the vaccine will stop the spread. And then it was 90% effective, 80%, 70%, 50% effective. Well, then you need your booster shot. Like, yeah, that scientific, uh, that, that scientific consensus. Isn't that crazy? Consensus. That's an oxymoron. Scientific consensus is a fucking oxymoron. Science is based on facts. How how perverted did this shit get? Think about that. So anyways, they're quietly they're quietly reversing this law. You should be mad about this that they got this draconian this authoritarian crazy shit that happened during that this is how far they went. Scientific consensus. If you understand what consensus means, it means, well, everyone is saying this, so it must be true. That's essentially what the word consensus means. So they're putting a word that means the opposite of the other word. Science, which means based off of facts and measurable facts. And consensus is based on, well, people are saying this a lot. Can you believe that? People used to think lightning was God being angry. Everyone said that. That was consensus. Can you believe that? Can you fucking believe how out of control our government got where it was like, well, and oh yeah, by the way, who, who, who determines the consensus? Well, the people in charge are the people in charge experts. No, none of them are. They just listen to doctors and then they go, "Mm, I don't know about you. You guys have spent the past 15, 20 years of your life being experts in this, but you know, I got this job because, uh, you know, I knew somebody or people trusted me and I managed to, you know, weasel my way into this position. There was a lot of that. There was a lot of non-scientific experts making decisions that you would need to be a scientific expert to make. Anyways, there's this law about to be passed in California where basically they would take away doctor's licenses if they said the opposite of what scientific consensus is, which is a fucking oxymoron. There's no such thing as scientific consensus. You can't just be like, Oh, well, yeah, everyone knows you swallow a watermelon seed and then one grows in your stomach. Everybody knows that. Like, that's essentially what scientific consensus is. Can you fucking believe they just created a term that means the, they, 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 
They they mushed two words together that mean the opposite of each other and then created a brand new idea of scientific consensus. That's how out of control this authoritarian shit got. Yikes. Anyways, they're quietly reversing that law because the law, which is called AB 2098, faced opposition from five doctors who deemed it unconstitutional on the 1st and 14th Amendment, arguing it hindered providing medical information. Because if that medical information went against the scientific consensus, which isn't a real thing that even exists, it's the opposite of its literal self. It's an oxymoron of itself being an oxymoron. Um, judges, thank God there was a judge with a shit screwed on right, who was like, yeah, hey, these five doctors are right. That is unconstitutional. And, you know, consensus isn't right. Just because everyone thinks something doesn't mean it's right. But so they're quietly reversing the law because, you know, this law essentially could take away doctor's licenses if they said things like, oh, yeah, I can prescribe you ivermectin for that or what have you, right? All these things that later are now showing that, oh, yeah, this is how you get out of it. Just because ivermectin was cheap, you can get it for pennies on the dollar. Um, And, you know what I'm saying? But the COVID drugs and vaccines were making so much more money. You couldn't say those things. That's crazy. But they're reversing the law. And they were quietly uh, revealing the provision in the California Senate Bill 815. Can you believe it got so out of control where they're passing laws called based off scientific consensus, which is in itself a fucking oxymoron. They think we're retarded. They think they can push us around. And this was just like, this is a preview of the future. If you ever wanted, if you ever wanted a looking glass, like, oh, what are smart, what is life going to be like in the, in the age of smart cities, which is going to start happening around 2030, um, to 2050 smart city, the, the era of the smart city and perfecting the model. Um, what will life be like 2030 to 2050? Oh, it's going to be a lot like fucking this. This is a, this is a, um, A portal into the future, by the way. This is a portal into the future. If you ever want to see what things are going to be like when they finally dial in smart cities with putting everything on the fucking blockchain. Um, You know, the blockchain, uh, Bitcoin isn't bad, but uh, a a smart city will utilize blockchain technology to make sure everything that you do is logged. The government's going to know every fart you made. You know what I'm saying? Who knows? They might even have uh, heat-sensitive cameras uh, and little camera, po- uh, you know, integrated in in surveillance cameras, so they can actually see every fart that you've made. You don't know that. Who knows? I mean, I'm just saying, it's going to get out of control. Everything's going to be on blockchain. Everything that you do, every place that you went, your car, which is now like in California, where you have to buy an electric car after 20, by 2030. You have to buy an electric car. There'll be no internal combustion cars for sale. In California, you cannot buy a new one from a lot. So that's going to be full of sensors. They're going to know everything you said in your car. They're going to know the list of music you're listening to. Um, they're going to know if you're on your way to a job. Like this COVID is a looking glass 10 years into the future. What's going to happen? What can they do? But this law is baby back bullshit. Uh, one last story for this week's debrief, 
Exxon denied climate change internally, says an internal memo. Um, ExxonMobil's executive consistently downplayed climate science internally, despite the public affirmations, by telling staff climate change is not such a big issue. Can you believe that? So basically, Exxon on the outside was like, oh yeah, no, we got to fix things. We got to stop pumping all this shit into the air. We should probably do better. We have green initiatives. But then internally, they were essentially creating company culture, right? I don't know if you've, you know, everyone works in a, you know, most people work in a corporation or have like a white collar job or those of you in a white collar understand when the boss um, starts to put pressure on management to think and do things a certain way, that gets pushed down to you. And then that influences how you think and conduct yourself at work. So essentially, outwardly, they were saying, this is this got um, leaked out to the press. Outward, outwardly, they were like, oh my gosh, yeah, we're, we got to change the way we do business. And by 2050, we need to be carbon neutral and blah, blah, blah. But internally, they were telling everyone, hey, business as usual, climate change is bullshit. That's how you do your job. Can you believe that shit? Can you believe that? And they're saying during Rex Tillerson's tenure as CEO, Exxon shifted its public climate messaging but maintained skepticism internally. Tillerson, despite publicly endorsing the Paris Agreement, questions its goals and credibility of climate warnings within the company and in company correspondence, which most likely had implications on decisions underlings made, which made climate, uh, uh, which made CO2 um, infecting the climate worse by affecting internal policy on activities, which then increase carbon emissions overall. So you see how important company culture is, especially if you run a company that outwardly affects the environment. So this just happened. Did you hear a lot of people making a lot of noise about these? a lot of these stories we mentioned? No, but you will find lots of these people on um, Mesh TV talking about a lot of these stories that you're not hearing getting a lot of coverage. So, you know what I'm saying? If you listen to the news, you come home, you put the news on, you start making dinner. Instead, put on Mesh TV. We have tons and tons of, well, not tons and tons. It's actually a very curated, small group of um, just nearly, you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, I think like 15, 17 creators who, I mean, in the independent news space, I followed... I check their facts. I like, before I bring someone on into this Mesh News TV, by the way, you can't pay to be on it. Um, do you know what I'm saying? You can't like, yeah, I have to, I, I look at your work. I see, do you call out bullshit? Do you have a history of calling out bullshit? Do you have a history of talking about things that other people aren't talking about? Do you have a history of covering stories that affect people? Do you hold power to account? Um, do you feature stories that will get you that have the potential of getting you pulled from the algorithm or, or muted or shadow banned? Like, do you cover these things? I mean, what is your overall integrity? And then what is the overall importance of the quality of information that you bring to the table? So this isn't just like my buddies. Do you know what I'm saying? These are people who, and I'm, and some of these people, uh, we have disagreements, I still cover their work though, because their work is important and I'm a goddamn grown up. But you know what I'm saying? I will omit 
the stuff that they do usually on politics, unless it exposes politics, which is, uh, which is corruption that will affect you. So, but like, like political slander or, Oh, these guys aren't really coming up or like gossip or what have you, or Trump's arraignment. Like, bro, I don't cover any of that shit. Politics doesn't matter. Policy matters. So I do omit that stuff. But yeah, there's some people that I have disagreements. But overall, I care about the mission. The mission is waking people the hell up. Waking them up to the nonsense, the bullshit. Waking them up to understanding how consensus is manufactured on all these tricks that they use on us. Um, Talking about the corruption and things that aren't being talked about on the corporate news. There's a lot of crap on the news that... How, how much does that affect your life? Not a lot of it. So I want to do this as a service. Like I said, this is church to me. And so I feature these people. I vet these people. I pay attention to what they say. I mean, I listen to hundreds of hours of news content. I listen to all these people's stuff. I pay attention to what they talk about. Um, some of these people, they have different views on things. But overall they have a very high success rate of, even though if I don't agree with some of the things that they say, they have a very high success rate of talking about things that aren't getting covered that are important and I think is important overall to the mission of of waking up. So even if I disagree with these people um, on some things, I feature them because it's about the overall. Do you know what I'm saying? And that also, by the way, featuring content uh, creators that some of them lean... Some of them lean a little bit to the left. Some of them lean a bit to the right. A lot of these people uh, have like an independent mindset or like a libertarian mindset where they want the government out of your life. Uh, They think the government should have such a limited role in your life, but they lean a little bit left. They lean a little bit right right from that because they're on personal bias. But what that does is when you get shown different perspectives, it's going to overall teach you to think for yourself because you're like, oh, now I have these two ideas. Which one do I believe? Because there's this creator that has this opinion on it and there's just one newsmaker, there was just one newsmaker that had this opinion on it and another newsmaker that had this opinion on it. Like, based on what I believe and me as a human, what is my best choice? And it's going to teach you to start thinking for yourself because this is what happens when you just turn on the news network that's run by a chief executive editor And that editor essentially tells everyone else underneath them what to say. And we can't say this and make sure you stay away from that. That's where you get these echo chambers and you get a divided country. But if we teach each other how to think for ourselves and that because just because someone has a different idea than you doesn't make them your enemy. And that seems like radical thinking, right? But that's the default setting. But it's we've gotten so programmed into this. So that's what happens. You come home, you just turn on the Fox News, you just turn on the MSNBC. Those guys are going to, they have a script and they can't go outside the lines, which means you'll never be introduced to ideas that will make you think about what's being said to you. Because you got to think about it. It's like programming. It's like in the background. It's almost like subliminal messaging. A lot of adults I know now, they come home, they turn on the news, they start making dinner and it's like in the background. Or, you know what I'm saying, like, you might be working during the day. If you work from home, you have it in the background. It's like, it's like a whoopee. It keeps you informed, but it's still like people are there. You, you kind of, you know what I'm saying, like, but essentially that's what happens when you keep it on all day. Eventually you'd be like, yeah, because that's, that's your scope of influence. 
And those are the only people telling you ideas. Do you know what I'm saying? But at the same time, they're trying to placate and they're trying to play to your ego and you're like, yeah, I am. They are trying to take our jobs or whatever, you know, the right wing people say and then like, or whatever lefties say and then they try to play into the things that they know, like the simple little wins that you think matter. So they act like they're for that just so they can slip their idea in and all of a sudden now you support some shit that you never were to support before. Or like this great uh, a quote from a Jimmy Dore show where he's like, do you think it was by chance that all of a sudden you you had an opinion on a drug you never heard of in your life? He's talking about ivermectin. He's getting all... He, he, he went off on the fact that you have an opinion about a drug you never heard of because the news told you to because they just kept repeating it to you. So essentially that's why we do mesh news like this. So our newsmakers don't agree with each other. Um, They... Well, not all of them don't agree with each other, but there are some that disagree with each other. There are some who have rivalries a little bit and you can see in their content, but that's fine though. But that's how you become a better comprehensive thinker. So you're also training your brain. You're in a, you're in a, you're, you're essentially while you're watching mesh news, you're essentially, um, taking your, your brain to the gym at the same time, you will become literally become a better comprehensive thinker and better at finding bullshit by listening to news in this format because it forces you to now weigh the weigh the information even though it's going to be on in the background or however you consume your news i really i'm really a background listener so i can i i i thrive in an environment where people are talking and then i do things um but that's essentially the mission with mesh tv and i want to you know what i'm saying like it would be the only way to make sure that the State Department isn't influencing how you think is by doing it this model, this decentralized model. Nobody's in charge. Um, and the only way this would work is if this was a labor of love. This would not work if it was for profit. This would not work if I was doing it for money or for clicks or for generating my channel or growing my channel. This would not work this way. Um, it only works if everyone does what they're doing. Nobody gets told what to do. But you, um, you know what I'm saying? Like, you understand that a lot of these people have very similar core beliefs down the middle. And some lean a little bit left, some lean a little bit to the right, but it allows you to think for yourself. And I'm hoping that's what this mesh uh, TV does. And, you know what I'm saying? If you're, if you want to learn how to be a better thinker, if you want to learn and about stories that are not being covered, and you, want to, and you want to hear it from people who um, aren't beholden to corporate advertisers, etc. These people just do this shit because they love it. And they hope to make some money. Um, check us out. Replace us with your, your daily news consumption for a week, two weeks, etc. Basically, you just go to tv.meshnews.org. We do not have an app because I don't want to track you, but every phone comes with YouTube. So we put it in this format where as these people put out the content, um, in, in, in order of, in order of publishing. And so many of these guys, they, they make content every day, all day. Cause a lot of these guys, that's just how they make their money. And then we compile it. And then once it's compiled, it makes up a good, it makes up a 24 hour news channel uh, of content and um nobody's in charge nobody is working off the same notes 
So you're going to get all these different perspectives. But I've paid attention to these creators for a long time, many years, quite a few years I'll, for, for many of these. I'm familiar with their work. I've, I vet them. And these people are not State Department puppets. They do this because they love it. They do this because they're independent creators because, you know what I'm saying, um, it's definitely a labor of love. Yes, some of these people do make money doing this stuff, but that's because they've just grinded, bro, because they grinded that audience and they've earned it and they've carved out their niche by being themselves and by sticking to their guns. I hope you will support these people. Please go and follow all the creators. Um, give them all likes. Uh, the great thing I love about the mesh news for TV is like, you can bring up tv.meshnews.org on your phone. It'll automatically open up your YouTube app. If you're at home and you're, you know what I'm saying? And most people use their Wi-Fi when they're at home or you're at, at the office. Uh, you just flick on your Wi-Fi and you hit the cast to button. It basically, it looks like a screen with like a little like a uh, beam. It's a, it's called the cast to button. It's on the top right. So after you hit play on the playlist, when you go to tv.messnews.org, then update a playlist. So it's the most up-to-date news, just like we have the most up-to-date coverage, just like CNN. Okay. Because I, like I said, I, I curate this list three times daily as the, at, at different times of the day. Um, so yeah, check it out. I'm and replay and just try it for a week. Try it for a week. And you can, but you can cast it to your TV. And the great thing about it is if you're not feeling one of the creators, you're listening to, you're like, okay, well, next. Because there's a, literally a full day's worth of news content. All from independent creators who care about doing this stuff because they want to inform you. Not because they're taking notes from the State Department. Something, I mean, I don't think anything like this has been done. And the only way to make sure this stays pure is that I don't make any money from it is that we don't organize together. We each do our own thing. That's what's going to make sure that this stays the most pure and honest news network is if it's decentralized, nobody's in control. No one tells you what to do. And we just have quality control of people who tell the truth. Now, if it, comes to the point where one of these creators, or I'm sorry, one of these newsmakers, not creators, creators, somebody who, you know, does silly bullshit. These are newsmakers. These are serious people. Um, one of these newsmakers, if it seems like they might be pushing state talking points, um, I will eject them. You know what I'm saying? Because like, if it looks like they're buddy buddying up too much to the establishment, you know what I'm saying? And how you get on that shit list um, or, you know, I'll put them on probation. I won't put them in the rotation for another week or what have you is like you have like the, 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 the president can't always do the right thing. He has to fuck up. Do you know what I'm saying? Like if you're not, if you're not talking about the fuck ups, the people in charge are doing, you know, they talk about the good things, but also you got to talk about the fuck ups when they happen. If you're not being honest about it. There are some people who, you know, saying, Hey, you know, I kind of like this guy or I don't like this guy or whatever. If you still don't hold your own party to account, or let's say I think, or let's say you lean a little bit one direction, like you're kind of a lefty or kind of a righty. Like I said, majority of these people all are right down the middle. They just lean kind of left a little bit to the right, like valuetainment. He's a little bit to the right, but ultimately he's down the middle. Uh, Jimmy Dore, he's pretty much down the middle, but he, but he leans a little bit to the left. Like you know what I'm saying? Like, um, 
But ultimately, if you, uh, uh, but ultimately these people are independents kind of down the middle. Um, but if it so happens that any of the creators, and I'm not talking about Jimmy or Valuetainment, um, PBD, which such an awesome thing to see this guy rise. I saw this guy's whole media um, empire rise doing his podcast and his media company. I'm so I'm so happy for him. But um, if it so happens that any one of these people, and I'm not talking about Jimmy or Valuetainment, I'm talking about any one of the like 15 to 17 people that we feature in this. If it starts seeing like they are licking the boot, they're gone. So, and that can happen. Some people sell out. You know what I'm saying? Just like people in punk rock bands or whatever you like, or, or bands, you know what I'm saying? They have their they have their fan base and then all of a sudden they get that album and then they sell out. It happens. It happens. So if it happens with some of these people, um, they're out. Uh, I'm not locked in with anybody. I purely care about this project so it can deliver you the most honest information and talk about things that they're, that the news is trying to omit. They're trying to keep these stories that are important out of the cycle and just tell you the things that the State Department wants you to think about. Oh my God, look at Trump. Trump is doing this. Did you hear that? This is going on Trump. Oh, did you hear about sleepy Joe Biden? Like, oh my, did you hear what he, like, fuck, that doesn't matter. Policy matters. Politics does not matter. Did you hear about this? Like, no, none of that. Like, <clears throat> now this brings me to something I've been thinking about this whole week. And why don't I bounce it off you to see what you think about. So right now, as, as um, the numbers are coming in, literally the Joe Rogan show does, I think, something like nearly 20 times over the audience of all of CNN's main programming. Um, Anderson Cooper, which um, is pretty much there, you know what I'm saying, the Michael Jordan of CNN over there, you know, he's the head motherfucker. Um, he does like 300,000 viewers a night, uh, for his show where Joe Rogan's daily show does over 10 million eyeballs. Tucker Carlson's show ever since he went mainstream, his very first show he did on Twitter with no ads, no nothing was 141 million viewers. That is more than the most watched Super Bowl in history, which was in 2021. The most watched Super Bowl in history. He could have charged just as much money per second for an ad as people do for the Super Bowl with that audience. So, you know, uh, what's it called? Valuetainment, I feel like, is an upcoming name. This guy just bought VT.com. Valuetainment is one of the fastest growing podcasts also coming up. And he's got a whole media kind of company umbrella under his organization. I say, um, well, let me back up a little bit. So keeping that in mind, those three guys, right? Having these huge followings collectively more than all of mainstream, all literally all of mainstream news combined many time dozens of times over their audience and reach what is happening right now for something that's uh you know i'm going to talk i'm going to wax a little bit poetically and present some ideas to you about independent media and this uh crescendo that we're at right now in history so right now there are three guys 
who um, are garnering more eyeballs and influence than all of the mainstream news organizations, the legacy media, which is owned by major corporations who are in bed with the establishment and the U.S. government and the State Department. And essentially, they're just parakeets for the State Department and their corporate uh, advertisers. They don't get that much. They don't get as many views as literally just podcasters. And they're not as trusted because these guys that are doing these podcasts, or I guess you would call them shows online, is a lot of these guys take care to make sure what they're saying is true. Why? Because these legacy outlets fear them. And so they're always waiting for these guys to fuck up. So that makes these guys have to even double down on making sure they're always bringing you true information. Which... You know, saying was to the uh, which is to legacy media's folly for them to always uh, go after people uh, that they feel like are a threat to you know they're cutting into their viewers. They essentially force these people to double down and be even more trusted to make sure that they are always correct with what they say. What's going on right now? If you don't notice, what's going on with Robert uh, Kennedy Jr. and other people in the right wing? is like people like Larry Elder, where he had enough, um, he was polling at enough and had enough support to be at the first Republican um, debates that was on legacy media. Robert F. Kennedy, they're essentially rigging the election system to make him a non-contender for the Democratic Party. So that means he's not going to be invited to any kind of debates. He's not going to be able to debate Joe Biden. They're essentially locking him out. So we have these two things happening right now. The establishment is just, even though Robert Kennedy is pulling at 35, I think 40%, 40% favorability for the Democratic Party. That's huge. That's huge. Um, so right now, what we have is this time in history where the establishment media, which thinks they set the pace for who gets to be heard, holds these debates that are unfair. They they ejected Larry Elder. They admitted so he could not show up, even though he had enough. Because the establishment was like, no, we don't want to invite you. Even though that's his right. He made it. He had enough support. Larry Elder had enough support to be on the stage. They uh, essentially just said no. The rich people say you're not invited, even though you you saying you have enough by law to contend for the presidency. They just act like he's not invited. Same thing's going on with Robert Kennedy. But check it out: these news networks don't even have the viewership of one of those three podcasters I mentioned. These three top dogs in the news and information podcast game right now: Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan. And um, Patrick Beck David of the Valuetainment Entertainment Network. Why don't, if they have more viewers collectively than like, than the, the establishment media, which says you can't come to these debates and we're not going to hold them for you because the Democratic Party says you're, you're not part of, you're, you're not invited. And you can't come to the Republican debates because you're not invited. Not because you're not polling. You're not following. Literally, the law 
of what says you're allowed to be represented as for president. By the way, Robert F. Kennedy had an assassination scare this week. He has been denied um, Secret Service protection. What the fuck is going on with that? But um, why don't these three guys, Patrick Beck David, Tucker Carlson, and Joe Rogan, host their own fucking debates? They have more trust, right? These three guys. I'm not saying form a media company. I'm saying just get together and form Voltron. You have an audience many dozens of times over than the people who think they set the tone. Do you understand what that means? These people are in denial. They think they run it. They're take and they're not allowing the people to have their fair share. They, 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 Larry Elder had enough support and poll numbers to be on the stage for the first. They just denied his ability to go there. Because it's a it's a big club, but you're not in it. They're denying uh, Robert Kennedy his candidacy for the Democratic Party. There's going to be no Democratic debate, even though legally there should be. They're denying the actual process. So I'm suggesting, what do you think about this? I would love to hear your feedback. That Patrick McDavid... Right, who leans a little bit to the right, um, but he's down the center. Um, Joe Rogan, where he think he's, he, I think he's kind of like a centrist. Tucker Carlson, um, he's a bit of a centrist now. He's a bit of a libertarian, has libertarian values. Um, why don't these three guys host uh, the de- a debate for the Democratic Party and the Republican Party? They have there's so much more exposure in the millions and millions and millions of views. Keep in mind, CNN's making hundreds of thousands of views where these guys are doing millions. Like the numbers alone, the numbers alone. Why doesn't Patrick Beck, David, Tucker, and Joe Rogan, the three wise men, essentially, of the news and information daily podcasts that get so many, many dozens of times of millions of views over the, the hundreds of thousands of views, hundreds of thousands versus dozens of millions. 25 million. Tucker did 141 million. Why don't they just host their own debates? They all they already they already own they already own the exposure. And just let establishment media know they're no longer in control. And it's very important that it happens for this year's election, not next year, not entertain the idea. It's time to deal the death blow to establishment media who for the past three fucking years lied to our faces. And now they want to tell us who's allowed to swing for the presidency like they have our best interest in mind. The people who lied to us for the past three fucking years have our best interest in mind all of a sudden. They get to decide who shows up, who doesn't, who gets a debate. Fuck that. We have this very small sliver and window where we could pivot. Those three guys could just decide we're going to host our own debate. We're going to invite all these people. Larry Elder gets to come. We're going to host our own debate for the Democrats. All the people on the Democratic side. There's more people than Robert F. Kennedy running for the Democrat side. They're going to host their debates. We're going to invite the Biden people too. He can come too. If the establishment media is going to pretend that they get to control who gets to show up 
for the process that is for every American, then I say these three people, like I said, these three kind of essentially the three wise men hold their own debates. They each, they, you know what I'm saying? They invite people there. Fucking Spotify can sponsor it, I guess, whatever. And you have to log into Spotify and they could probably get a, you know, a bunch of signups out of it. But these three people form fucking Voltron, bring their audiences and host their own debates. They, they just call it the debates. That's what they should call it. The debates. And they have a GOP one. And then they have a democratic one. And think of the questions that these people will fire at these people, right? They won't throw them fucking softballs. And they get so much more exposure. If these politicians actually want to get exposure to the people who are voting by the millions and millions, okay? Hundreds of thousands versus 23, 40 million, 100 million. You're not going to, as if you're running for office, you're not going to take that exposure. They literally have established me by these three people in, in particular by the fucking balls and they could just twist and pull and now these and now independent media can now control what's going on independent media meaning like media that doesn't have central leadership and we can get the real story and i think those people should just form voltron this is my personal opinion and then on rogan's channel on valuetainment's channel on tucker's they all just they all just re, they they each live stream it from each one of their respective at the same time so they can each lever each one of their audiences they just call it the debates and people who are allowed to come literally legally by polling numbers etc we're not going to pretend these people don't exist and we're going to and we should deal the death blow to these media companies who think they get to decide still. The world has fucking changed. And if we do not take this very important opportunity for this election cycle to let them know how things are going to be, these people who lied to us, I feel like we are robbing ourselves of a great opportunity to take back the mic for the American people. And I, and I sincerely think... These three, three people in particular have the networks of people, they have the support and they have the wherewithal to make that happen and do a solid for the American people to take this back. Hundreds of thousands versus hundreds of millions. That's just something I want you to chew on. I don't know, out of the 55,000 plus people who listen to the podcast, um, if you actually, you know what I'm saying? Think about these kinds of stuff, but I do think that we are in this very important small sliver of history where the media narrative can be taken back and given to the people. And I feel like these three people who have pioneered this have the opportunity to give that back to us. And yeah, like I said, they should just form Voltron. Not form like a media conglomerate or go into business with each other because that would be back to them and not like each keep their own thing, but just work together on a project and host their own debates. It's going to be million, the many millions of times over the exposure that you would get on establishment media. We already have the numbers. We already know they're doing hundreds of thousands of views on CNN, on MSNBC, on CBS. Hundreds of thousands. These guys are getting millions 
per day. In some cases, hundreds of millions. Tucker's for sure, 141 million. Hopefully, some sort of miracle like that happens. And we deal this death blow to these boomer organizations that have lied to us and now they want to tell us what's best for us. And I just want you to think about that. So hopefully you'll embrace Mesh TV, tv tv.meshnews.org. I appreciate you tuning in to the debrief. And I hope this message finds you as I broadcast from San Diego from deep inside the filter bubble. This is my United States of whatever. It will probably, unfortunately, get worse before they get better. Yeah, whatever.